0: Wow. I was in Ecuador in 2010 October 24th. On the 17th no, let's see that was the 24th it was a Sunday. It was the Wednesday before. however many days that is 19th whatever that is. I was in Latacunga and I stepped off a little curb about that high into a rut and I and I broke my foot. I, I literally a tendon instead of the tendon tearing in my ankle it pulled a chip of the bone off, the bone giveaway instead of the tendon. It was sore that day. The next day, Wednesday, boy, it was really starting to hurt me, right? So I went through. I don't know what's wrong, but I went through, and on Sunday, I had to teach two services because I was going to teach on how to find out if your faith worked. So you need to know if your faith will work or not. So you have to prove that the things of the kingdom work for you. And so I was going to teach on seed faith. See, the scripture says he gives seed to the sower. And we were going to take up an offering for new sound equipment for the church. And I don't know how much we took. They told me how much we took up in those two services. Two services. And I got a broken foot. And I danced before the Lord on the platform. I said, I'll tell you what we're doing. I had to do it because he couldn't teach this. He particularly asked me three weeks ahead of time, on the 24th, can you teach us? We need to take an offering for new sound equipment, which I also had to haul from Miami, by the way. It's another thing we had to do, you know. So I'm up there, and I'm dancing before the Lord, and I'm teaching on the seed faith. So I challenged the people. I said, make out your offering. Now, he already took the offering. So I'm just wondering, this is how this thing works. I said, make out your offering, your pledge according to your faith, not according to your money. In other words, you can believe for as much as you want to believe. So I, I said, I'm going to pledge $250. And it will not come from my, it will not come from the states. And it will not come from my offerings in this church. God's going to give it to me. And I challenged them to give. Now, you know what happened? Some of them got mad at me because they didn't feel they could give $250. They missed the point. If you're going to believe God, you can believe God for as much as you want to believe God for. If he's going to give you the money, the sky's the limit. Right? If he's going to give the money, then what difference does it make how much you believe for it's not, you don't have to believe it's not going to come out of your salary. God's going to bring it to you. If He has to have a cow, bring in a brown paper sack. See, so you, got, you got to get a picture of God's ability, His goodness towards you. See, the songs are, the songs are where's, where's Haley? Wonderful words, wonderful words in those songs, man. The goodness of God. Some of you don't believe in the goodness of God. You believe He's good. That's not the same as believing in His goodness. See, my, my, my wife would say to me, you know, you walk around the flesh all week. You get up there in the pulpit, and God bails you out every time. And I said, "That's His job." See, I I trust God. Now, I prepare. You don't. You've got to prepare. But I trust God. I believe in His goodness so much that no matter what happens in our life, we're good. His goodness. His goodness is so. He see. See, he doesn't have another thing. He doesn't have any bad in him. If he wants to get mad at me, he's got to go to the devil to get it. He's not going to get mad at me. He's not upset with me. He's never dissatisfied with me. He only, towards me, he only has good thoughts and good ideas. And his goodness flows to me according to my willingness to receive his goodness. See you've got you to get convinced of this. You'll never operate in the Spirit of God until you're convinced of his goodness. You'll never oper- you can't operate in the Spirit of God because you won't trust him. but of all the things you can trust, he's good. So I got through, I' finished my story, I got through preaching those two things. We go back to the back, they bring us they got and hired a nurse to come in, a massage therapist to come in, and she pushed this foot, this foot was that big around, and she worked on me for an hour and pushed all the water up back. I mean, it was. I mean, I, that that foot was really swollen after five hours. Preaching and dancing before the Lord. Listen, when I was sixty-five, I could dance before the Lord an hour and a half. I could preach an hour and a half, and I could minister two hours and a half. But now I'm older. I can't do that anymore. That's why I sit because I saved my legs for the ministry. I gotta I gotta put my energy where I can put it. My wife, she sat down. I said, "Did you go too far?" She says. Woo. <laughs> How was the last time you danced before the Lord? It's been a long time, hasn't it? It's Really good. She's going to be able to dance before the Lord. So anyway, I get up there. The other one, they couldn't do that. This one was that big around. I mean, I'm a hurting puppy. How many of you know I didn't feel a thing when I was on the platform? I don't feel nothing. When I'm, when I'm ministering, I don't feel nothing. We just get an anointing, and God takes it, and we go. But I, we believe in the goodness of God. And the goodness of God is such. Did you know he, he bought all the sound equipment? He didn't bring speakers because it's too too heavy to bring from the states. We got a whole new big old keyboard, a brand new uh, 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 sound system, what, what, uh, soundboard. We got a big soundboard. I don't know ten or fifteen thousand dollars in a church where they make where they make three hundred and four hundred dollars a month. Amazing thing, but some of them got mad at me. They said they said that's not fair. That's not fair because you have more money than we have. I said it's got nothing to do with money. It's got to do with how much can you believe God. So I, t- I teach this. When I teach on healing, part of my, part of my teaching on healing is how do you, you have to prove your faith will work, and there's three ways to do it. You get this for free. I'm going to teach on it. i got something else to teach on it. There's three ways you prove your faith. Number one is seed faith giving. So my wife says, I want to give $500 to Heidi Baker. I said, where well, are you going to get the money? We don't have any money. She said, I'm going to believe God for it. I said, okay. So she went in her closet, got a bunch of clothes, laid them on her bed, took pictures of it, put it on eBay. Two hundred forty-five dollars, two hundred forty-five dollars sent it to Heidi Baker. See, we go to Ecuador. We we get there early. We're gonna start a we're gonna start a three-week conference on Monday, but this is Thursday. We get there early, so they invited my wife to come speak at the prophetic meeting in the big church. I said, man, they're gonna take up an offering for you. We'll use this for taxis and for out-of-pocket food expenses because you know we're, we're, we were poor back then, and and uh, God's when I come home from Ecuador we were rich, but in those days we were poor. and so 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 she comes she says no no no. This money's going to Heidi Baker and she got an offering of 131 dollars.' a big offering. It's a big offering in Ecuador, 131 dollars. So she sent it to Heidi Baker. We got down to uh, well we went to my family's place and we played quarter 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 and she she won six dollars and 25 cents. Playing quarter, quarter, quarter gambling, and she sent it to Heidi Baker. Okay, then she went on a cruise, and she went down to the casino and won the other sixty-eight dollars. Now listen, we're open about this. You can get offended if you like. It's okay. We don't because we, we don't care. And uh, and so we when she the last little bit she won, and when she won it, she quit and went back to her room. Okay, and she takes it and she sent it to Heidi Baker. Now listen. Heidi Baker is in, lives in Mozambique most of the time, Mozambique, Africa. Most of the time she lives in Mozambique. When she comes to the States, she goes to, she had an office in Redding. That's, I, met her, I met her there in 2005. And so anyway, she sends it over there. And we get a postcard back because she tells us the story. She sent her a letter and told her the whole story, where, where the money came from, how she was believing God. Yeah, and so we told her the whole story. And she sent back a note. It was really kind of cute. And so, so, so we believed God, and she got the whole $500. And so I'm there, and about two days later, uh, a guy from the States is there, which when when Kevin came, and he gives me $50. He said, I want you to have this. He gave me $50. I said, man, I'm going to do this. And the Lord said, uh-uh. So that Sunday, I took up an envelope. I wrote $250 minus $50, put the $50 in the envelope, put it in the offering. And in about three or four weeks, I paid off that $250. Every bit of it came from God. None of, it came from, none of it came from my offerings. None of it came from the States. I just believe God for it. But they could believe. That what I'm getting at, they missed the point. You can believe for whatever you want to believe. They could have put down $1,000 and believed God. Would God have given it to them? That's the point. See, when, you, when, you, when you're given by faith, you get to expand the amount. It's about how much can you believe for, not how much you have this all coming from God. Seed time, har- see time and harvest is one thing, but seed for the sower is a complete different thing. When you get money in your hand, here's what you do. You get some money. Someone comes up, gives me $100. I say, Lord, is this seed or is it food? And I do I get to consume it or do I have to plant it? Most people get money the first thing they do, they buy, spend it on themselves. So that so it's, it stops the process. Why? Because as soon as he gives you seed, you plant seed, it turns into a harvest it's got to be a lifestyle you got to think like this man i can't wait for something to give i'm lord i'm gonna believe you for fifty dollars i'm gonna go put it in the prophet's ministry great that's a good thing to do why it's gonna come from god it doesn't take away from the church you could you could double the amount you put in the church if you use your faith for god to give it to you how much can you believe for now i heard about this years and years and years ago there was this man, I heard the story, I never knew the man. I heard the story from uh, Brother Randy Leshner, my mentor, okay. He said there was a guy, and I can't remember his name, he would go to these conferences. They had these big conferences. No, we don't have them like that anymore. They'd have these big conferences, and it would be like all the Methodist people got this big conference, or all the assemblies have got it, whatever. And he would go there, and they'd say, we're going to build this new school, and we need pledges. He'd say, I pledge $40,000. And he'd walk out, he said, Lord, he said, we, we need $40,000 so I can pay that pledge. And he'd go off there, and three or four months later, he had $40,000 come, he sent it to He he wasn't afraid to believe God. Now, you know what he did? He had an apartment that he didn't own that he stayed in. And if he'd walk around the house, and if he saw anything he liked, he gave it away. If he had something that was precious to him, he gave it away. See, it's a whole different lifestyle of living in this realm of the spirit where all you care about is me and him. We got the thing going on. He's probably single. Because when you're married you can't always do that. I gotta have, my wife has a certain amount of things that we need for our family. And she has a expectation that her husband's gonna provide for her. Now we work together in the ministry so it's I might be the speaker, but she's the one that does all the work. Okay, so so we work together and things. But I'm just saying that there's a so a place where you can say, Lord, I just want to give, 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 give. I'm going to start believing you for an extra thousand dollars a month. And you know what happens? He has the ability because he's he's a say he's a good God. See his goodness. Once you get convinced of his goodness, anything's possible. Now, how do I get convinced of his goodness? This morning we said this one thing. I said, if all you get—that's whole weekend. If this is all you get, if you don't do, you'll never find out who you are. It's not—it's not in the teaching; it's in the doing. I can teach on prophecy for ten years. You'll never prophesy till we prophesy, because you learn how to prophesy by prophesying, the way you learn how to ride a bike by riding a bike you go to you get your driver's how many get your driver's book you read all the things you go down and take your test you pass your test with fine colors but you never drove the car how many know years ago you don't have this trouble now because everything's automatic but when i started to drive the car they had clutches how many people have never driven a car with a clutch you drove a car with a clutch did you you did oh wow this is good you know what i'm talking about so you get in that car you push the clutch in you press that. Come on, y'all been there. You press on the gas. You let up in a clutch, and you stall the car. How many have done that? How many have done it a lot? <laughs> see, see, see. Why, why? Why? How long does it take? It takes. I used to drive my car. I had a car before I had my license, and I had it was in. A, it was in. And I used to drive in the backyard, drive out in the in the front, turn it around, drive back up, and I learned how to handle that clutch. I did that for a month. Turned 16, went down, and got my license. I couldn't drive. No, I had no business be down the road. I'm serious, but I knew how to, I could, I could at least let out the clutch and press the gas and the car would go. And so you have to learn how to do it. Ministry, prophetic ministry and healing ministry, both come from the same place. The first time you pray for someone who's deaf and their ears open up and they can hear, you'll be hooked on this stuff. Why? Listen, God does all the heavy stuff. All you gotta do is pray. All you gotta do is pray. He's gonna do the heavy stuff. Is His glory and His power that's going to heal the sick. But He's going to do it through you as you lay hands on the sick. So, so supernatural lifestyle, supernatural ministry, living in the Spirit. This, this, we talk about His presence. And so I'm not very, I'm not very sensitive. You know, some people are sensitive to this presence of God. Oh, God's here. You know, I don't ever feel that way. Hardly ever feel that way. But I know He's with me because I've proven He's with me. I know when, he, when I pray... Things are going to happen. I know when I prophesy, it's going to be pretty accurate. How did I get there? I proved it. You got to prove it. You got to prove it to yourself. Part of that is being convinced he's a good God and he loves you. He's a good God. And he wants you to be great. See, he planned. He had a it said. He it said it was the. It was a plan that was hidden for ages and generations. It was a mystery hidden, hidden from everybody. And it was revealed when it was Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. You mean, Norm, you can do God things? Oh, yeah. And the more I believe God about his goodness, and the more I do, the more glory is seen. This is, this is, this is so simple. It's so simple. But you got to do to prove it. See? And that's why we do activations. That's why, that's why there has to be an activation part of it. See, And so the, the way you do, you come and do. So if we did, a, we did, how many heard some? How many were here this morning? Raise your hand real quick. Okay, this morning when we did the activations, how many heard from God? Look, look how many people heard from God. So we just did a couple little activations. Boom, they heard from God, just like that. It's easy. How long, what's the difference between people who can't hear and people who can hear? There's no difference at all. Except one thing, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can hear His voice. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues, nothing is impossible for you. Because you're just like God in the Spirit. And the more you believe in His goodness, the more that the things of the Spirit are open to you. you got to believe He's a good God. He's not going to embarrass me. Now, I prayed for the sick and He didn't get healed. But see, I'm not embarrassed when that happens. Why? Because it's not about me; it's about him. See, I'll tell you a real quick story. I was reminded of it this afternoon. <clears throat> we were in—I was in Colombia. It's Saturday night. We've been there a week doing ministry, and uh, my wife was translating for me. We were having a good time with the people there. I love. Them. I've been there a couple of times. <clears throat> the uh, Saturday night, eleven thirty. We're getting ready to go to the hotel. And this lady comes up to me. She spoke English. And she says, I want you to pray for my father. Well, I can tell she's in her probably 50s or 60s. So I said, what's wrong with him? Well, he's got heart problems. He's got liver problems. He's got kidney problems. And he's got lung problems. I said, oh, he said he's in a coma. (laughs) I said, "Okay." I said, how old is he? He said, he's 85. Lord, what do you want to do about that? I asked inside, Lord, what do you want to do about that? This guy's 85. What do you want me to do? And you know what I heard? Absolutely nothing. So I said, Well, he doesn't have to die sick. The cross worked. See? So I reached up and I took the scarf off her head. And I reached down and I wrapped her hands and my hands up in it. And I prayed over that scarf. I said, You take this down and lay it on your dad. Right now. Go to the hospital right now and go in and lay it on. You, the, you can get in and out of them pretty easy. It's not like now where they got guards and all here, you know. And they went down there. She laid that scarf on his body. The next morning, they come in and they tested all his vitals and so forth. But it was Sunday, so they don't get results till Monday. So they tested all the stuff and they went ahead. And that afternoon, he woke up. He come out of his coma. All the family come in. All the family reunited. All the all the all the old broken parts of the family were healed and mended. And they all come back to the Lord. And he he came out of his coma, and he lived. But the next morning, when they took See, Sunday morning, when he woke up and they took all those tests, on Monday morning when they got the results back, he had no heart problems, no kidney problems, no lung problems, and no liver problems. See, now, that comes Oh, he lived another year and a half. Yeah, he lived another year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Natural causes, see. So so you 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 believe God. And and you know, honest to goodness, let me tell you this. Do you know how much effort I put in that? I didn't put any effort in that at all. I mean, I didn't there was no strain believing God. He's a good God. He only does good things. He doesn't do bad things. So, so you know, I, I, I reasoned within myself and made up my mind I'm going to pray. So I prayed, and they went in. Now, would I have been disappointed if he it died the next day? And the answer is, no, What's not my deal. It's God's deal. I was obedient to do what I knew what to do. That's all you can do. Did you know that? It's like prophesying, you know. Everybody's supposed to be able to prophesy. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you're, you can hear his voice and you can prophesy. You can say what he says. That's not hard. Now, learning to do it accurately, that, that takes practice. But it's not hard. It just takes practice. It's like hitting a ball with a bat. All you got to do is do a lot of it. You know? Uh, how many know who Lydia Coe is? Anybody know who Lydia Coe is besides my wife? Lydia Coe is 18 years old I heard about Lydia Ko. not this not in 2015 and 2014 okay she was 17 years old and she's the world's number one golfer women golfer 17 years old 17 years old and she won the CME she'd already won a million dollars and in 2014 at 17 years old, and she won the last term of the year, and in that one tournament, she got a million dollars for winning the Globe for the CME Globe thing, and she got a million dollars for the tournament thing, I a mean, half a million dollars. So she made she made like almost two and a half million dollars. 17 years old, she'll be she'll be 19 in April this year. She come up to the thing. She didn't win this year, so she didn't get the half a million dollars. She didn't win the tournament this year, but she was the number one golfer in the world, and she had enough points. She won the million dollars. She won $3 million. She's already won 2.7. She won $3.7 million last year. Now, how do you suppose that happened? She went out there every day. She went out there every day. So in the time, she was three years old. See? That's how you. That's how anything works. And if you don't do, you'll never know what God has for you. See, I'm trying to. I'm trying to tell you. All you got to do is put yourself in the game. Just get out there and try. Right, Diane. Right. The, the, Diane, Diane and Carol, wave your hands at everybody. This is Diane and Carol. They're from Lake City. I've been to Lake City to their church where they where they belong. But they've come up. They've been. I, I met them over at Hank Hank House's church, and we've known them for a long, long time. They heard I was here, and they came up for the night. Now, why would anybody get up and drive all the way from Lake City on a Saturday night to hear Norm Spencer? They did. Now, it's because they're in the game. They're sold out to prophetic ministry. They know if they're going to come here, I'm going to say something that's going to change their life. I'm going to say something that's going to strengthen them in the Lord. And they're convinced that I know something about God they need to know. Now, when you do that, it's not because they want what I know, they want what God's put in me. They know I'm a gift that God made. Anything I know that's good came from God. See, the part about me you don't like, that's norm. The part you love, it's all God. And so, so so I understand that. I don't take credit for God's part. See? I take credit for my part. Total submission to the Spirit of God. Total submission. What do you want me to do? God, I'll do it. I'm not afraid. So there's a, there's, a, there's a my parts to submit to the Lord and do the things he told me to do. And he told us to prophesy, and he told us to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and cast out devils. How many of what he told us to do? So those things are commands from the Lord. I don't, I'm not going to prove it all because I don't have time to prove it. We're not going there tonight. But they're commands of the Lord. So if you do what he commands you to do, anything you do a lot of, you get good at. Isn't that easy? If you pray for 100 people, if you pray for a person a month, you'll never be good at it. How many want to be good at healing people? Seriously. You, you two back there, you don't want to be good at this? You didn't raise your hand. Come on. This is, this is audience, audience participation. When I ask you a question, I want you to respond to me. Because okay, I'm going to challenge you if you don't. Okay? So, so, so you want to be good at it. That means you got to go out, and every week you're going to pray for 100 people. I'm telling you, you'll get really, really good at it. God will be, tell you, don't pray for this, pray for that. Lay your hands here, do this, and you'll learn. See, there's, there's systems in the kingdom. There's systems. There's different kinds of systems for laying hands on the sick. But you know something? It doesn't matter as long as you've got a system. We, know how to, we teach, I can teach you how to prophesy. I can teach you how to heal the sick in about an hour. I went to, went to Riverview, Florida outside of Tampa, I said, "I said, Hank, this is a different Hank, I said, let me have the little kids. He said, okay. He said, I'll do that. I said, I come over on Monday at two hours in the morning with the kids, 5 to 12, two hours at night, 13 to 18. The next day, I did the same thing, Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Four hours, I taught these little kids, 5 to 12, how to hear the voice of God and how to heal the sick in four hours, Six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. This is so easy. This is this is so easy. The difference is the difference is those kids. They want to please God. Mm. I'm stepping on some toes. That's okay. If you if that if that stepped on your toes, you need them stepped on. Okay. So because because you, you got to want to please God, and what you know what pleases God? Showing forth His glory. Because He gets the glory. When people get healed, He gets the glory. Lord, I'm going I'm gonna go out and spread glory everywhere. Boom, 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 boom. And if you pray for 100 a week, you'll get good at it. And and you'll, 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 you know, we used to get half of them got healed. We got excited. Then one day I started to look around. I said, you know, we're getting 85 out of 100 healed. And the Lord says, don't limit me. Do you all like stories? When I tell stories, is that good for you? So I go to my friend Alberto uh, Aurora, What's his name? Aro, Alberto Aro. He calls me up to come to his church. I get in there. I'm going to teach on healing. So we get there. He says, Now, we got a party tonight after the service. So I want you to finish by a quarter after eight. Now, they start to sing praise at eight o'clock, I mean, 7.30. And he gets involved in a praise and worship. And when he gives the mic to me, it's 20 after eight. I said, It's 20 after eight. How much time do I have? He said, Well, take 20 minutes with a translator. So I preached. I had a 12 point sermon, and I give 12 points. Bam, 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 bam. Somebody told me it was the best sermon they ever heard because it, it was all major points. And then I called up the sick, and uh, I, I, there was a guy there. I said, Who's got pain in your body? The guy raised his hand. I said, Come up here. What's wrong? He said, I got a sore shoulder. I come up here, I, I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. I pray the prayer. We got a standard prayer. I use a standard prayer. Ask me why. I teach thousands of people. I got to have a prayer that's going to work, and I want, everybody, I want everybody to do what I'm saying. I don't want them to do something else. Why? Because people have been praying for the sick for years, and nobody's getting healed. And my prayer is going to work. Is it the only prayer? No. Heidi Baker says, come Holy Spirit, go Satan. I mean, come on. It doesn't matter. But I need to know what you're going to do, so I make you use my prayer. You get 300 people healed, you can use any prayer you want. But until then, you got to use my prayer. So I go pray for the guy. He goes, oh, wow, that's good. And when I got done, I looked up, and there were 10, nine, nine people were standing there. I go to Alberto. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, well, just pray for these. Because it's late. He wants to go to his party. Okay? So while I'm getting started to pray for these, uh, uh, Bolivar Ramon was with me. So I start Bolivar at one end, and I get the other end. He was one of my guys down there. And one other guy, now we got 10 guys. Stomach cancer, AIDS, and we started down that line. And out of those 10 people, all now we already got one healed. He's already gone to see. It. Out of those 10 people, every one of them got healed. See, Now, you know the kicker? We were going out to go to the party. He says, brother, he says, I took your offering money and I spent it on the party. <laughs> you know, hey, listen, listen. If it can happen to a person, it happened to me in Ecuador. And, uh, and, and so we went to the party. And, you know, you know. But anyway, in 20 minutes, prayed, we preached, called them up, and got 10, 11 people healed. I uh, had maybe 25 minutes. This, is, this stuff's so easy. I didn't have to convince anybody. If you've got pain in your body, you don't have to be convinced to come up for prayer. See, So we just did it. Boom. Fosse, fosse, fosse. Easy, easy, easy. And so that's where we're at. So tonight, turn over to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm not in a hurry. If you're in a hurry, you're in the wrong meeting. <laughs>
1: Glory to God. Uh, let's see what we got here. First
0: Corinthians 12. I've taught so many messages out of here in all my years of ministry. Verse 7. Let's start with verse yeah, 7, where we want to start. We're going to read it out of the Amplified. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the evidence, the spiritual illumination of the Spirit for good and profit. To one is given in and through the Holy Spirit the power to speak a message of wisdom, and to another the power to express a word of knowledge and understanding according to the same Holy Spirit. To another, wonder-working faith by the same Holy Spirit. To another, the extraordinary powers of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophetic insight, the gift of interpreting divine will and purpose. To another, the ability to discern and distinguish between the utterance of true spirits and false ones. To another, various kinds of unknown tongues. To another, the ability to interpret such tongues. All these gifts, achievements, abilities are inspired and brought to pass by one and the same Holy Spirit who apportions to each person individually exactly as he chooses. Now, the gifts of the Spirit are not gifts. That's our word for them. In the King James, it used the word gifts, it's in italics, it's not in the original Greek. The true word is manifestations. In other words, Tonight you have the manifestation of norm because norm is here. See, And because I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, you have the manifestation of the Spirit of God through the release of those manifestations that are in me by the Spirit. In other words, I don't have the gifts. I have the gift giver. Okay? See, we, we the gifts themselves, we, we, we separate them for understanding. That's all. We we talk, they used to, years ago, they used to teach the power gifts, the revelation gifts, and the speaking gifts. They divide them three, three, and three. But that's not how the Bible divides them. The Bible divides them two, five, and two. Crazy, isn't it? But it says, it says to one is given the spirit of wisdom. And to another of the same kind, the spirit of knowledge. To another of a different kind, the gift of faith. To another of the same kind. So they're, they're grouped by, by, by what the major is. You got a major and you got a minor. So wisdom is the major and knowledge is the minor. In the five other five in the middle, faith is the major. In other words, these things work by faith. Gifts of healings, working the miracles, prophecy. It's all by faith. Because you believe, it works, and if you don't believe, it doesn't work. Talk about the gifts inside of you. See, so, so you, so there, there, But there are manifestations of the Spirit of God. I don't own the gift; I own Him. He's mine. See, He came and filled me. God filled me with Himself through the Spirit of God. So I'm filled with the Spirit of God. And when I come over to Inez, and I'm going to prophesy over Inez, the gift of of prophecy with word of knowledge and word of wisdom, depending on what I'm going to say, kicks in because he wants to minister to her. And those particular giftings or manifestations are his will for her. I don't own the gifts. I just have him. I own him. He's what I have. I don't have in me a gift of prophecy. I have the Holy Ghost, and his manifestation is the gift of prophecy. So I say to Inez, Inez, the Lord says that this year you're going to discover the depths of your anointing, and it's going to scare you for a season, because you realize that with the depth of knowledge of the gifting, is going to come a tremendous responsibility, and you're going to be afraid you can't fulfill it. And the Lord says, you just come with me and I'll work it all out. Don't be afraid. Don't be concerned about the cost. Okay, it's gonna work. See, is, is that good? See, that's good. Okay. So so that that's a that's a gift of prophecy working in me because I have the Holy Spirit. If I get rid of the Holy Spirit, there's no gift, I don't own the gifts individually. And this process is so important that you get this. If I have the Holy Spirit, I have whatever I need for any situation. Oh, wow. Because he's going to give it to me as he wills. Now, he, he's, a, he's a comforter. How many you know he's a comforter? See, we know things, but we don't always tie them together. Jesus said this. I'm going to send you another comforter, and he'll be with you, and he'll be in you. Now, the comforter, the word is paracletus. Which means he's one who comes alongside and helps. See, that's what the paracletus. He comes alongside and he helps. So the Holy Spirit is my paracletus. He's in me and He's gonna give me the not only the inspiration, but the supernatural ability to function in the kingdom. That's his job. He's good at it. Now listen, that's what he does. So I never have to worry. About a prophetic word. Never do I have to worry about a prophetic word. Why is that? Because I know what his will is. I know he's in there. I've proven he's in there. A zillion times. Can't keep track of the prophetic words. So I've had people come to me and said, man, that was a good prophetic word. That was right on prophetic word. See, see those, those words. When that happens to you a thousand times, how many of you know you've proved that you operate in prophetic ministry. See, but you don't take that many times. It takes about ten times an activation. When we ran our school, we ran our school and workshops on Friday and Saturday. After we got through teaching, we always did activations. Why? Because the activation is where you prove this is working. Without activations, there's you might why teach. Because the proof of your ministry comes out of doing the ministry, using what you're taught, and then releasing experiential hands-on or prophesying or whatever you're doing for the work of the ministry. And so that means that the Spirit of God that's in me, He's always ready. And He will, now listen, He will express Himself according to my submission to Him within me. So my success for my ministry is my submission to the Holy Ghost. I have no no natural attributes for this. Okay, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm uneducated. Okay. I'm fairly intelligent, but I'm not super intelligent. You know? I am quick to submit. And it's my submission to him that allows me to do everything I do. If he tells me to do something, I go do it. Not worried about the outcome. What does that look like in the scripture? Paul, Agabus comes to Paul. He takes, is this your jacket? He takes, he takes this, the, the jacket. He says, the man who wears this jacket is going to be taken and bound up and taken away. And he lays it over Paul. Wraps him he said, This girdle that I'm bound with, the person who owns this girdle is going to be taken bound to Jerusalem. And all the people said, Don't go, don't go. Don't go back there. He said, What are you talking about? I'm not only willing to be bound to go to Jerusalem, I'm willing to die. Paul had a different attitude. See? Paul's life wasn't about him. If God wants me to die in Jerusalem and be bombed there, hey, I'm ready. It's, I've already decided. This is where, this is the key. Now listen, this is key to your prophetic ministry, to your healing ministry, to anything you do in the spirit, to your worship ministry. You, you got to submit to God or nothing happens on the platform. You're just musicians. It's not supposed to be just musicians. You got to be worshipers. That means I got to yield to God. See? That's how, you, you know how I learned how to prophesy? I had to drive 45 minutes to church. I went wherever I could. Where there was freedom in worship. And it was 45 minutes away. So I'd go up there and I'd say, Lord, I'm going to prophesy tonight. 45 minutes all the way up to church. I'd get there. You did that tonight. night. You left a space for Langston to prophesy. He almost did. He almost sang the song Lord. It was great. One day he's going to do that. And I've heard them do that, by the way. Okay, but what I'm saying is that you have the space for prophetic ministry. Right in the middle. So we'd come to the end of the worship, and they would leave a lull there. The the keyboard, the player, he'd just go, do, 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 do. And I would prophesy, bam. And my pastor would get up, and she would preach right in the middle of my prophetic word. Six months. Every Sunday night for six months. That's how I learned how to prophesy. I'd speak in tongues. I'd interpret the tongue. because that's how—that's the only thing I knew. And then one night I got there, and she started. I prophesied over here, and she started way over here. I go, "Oh God, oh God, I've missed you. I'm so sorry, Lord." She went ten minutes, and she went, "Bam!" right over in the middle of that thing. I said, "Thanks, Lord. I hear your voice." That's how I learned how to prophesy—prophesying in church on Sunday night. Somebody said, aren't you afraid every, night you, every Sunday night you prophesy? What about everybody else? I said, I don't care about anybody else. I don't care. If they want to prophesy, then to prophesy. But I'm not going to sit down and be still because they get offended. Or they think it's too much or whatever. I don't care about that. I'm after God. Got to be after God. I was here in 2005 on a Saturday morning. I said, how many want to prophesy tomorrow morning? 25 people raised their hand. And the pastor went, Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. It didn't happen. Nobody, not 25 people didn't prophesy. You know what I mean? Because the next day they all got a little nervous about prophesying during the service. But I'm telling you, you need to come in here prepared to prophesy. So raise your hands. How many are willing to prophesy tomorrow morning? Don't raise your hand. I'm come get you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You're gonna raise it for her? <laughs> okay. Now let me ask you see this is what you have to ask. Her. Why won't you prophesy tomorrow morning? I'll tell you what we'll do. You, you come in tomorrow. No, see, 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 remember, love conquers all fear. God's gonna bail you out. So here's what we're gonna to do. Tomorrow morning, I'm gonna come and get you. And you and I are gonna walk up in there sometime during the praise and worship or right after the praise and worship, and you and I are gonna to prophesy to the congregation. Deal, okay. See, see why you know what? I'm, why am I going to push her? Because she wants to prophesy. True, you want to raise your hand. See, see, I see. I know what's going on. You guys want to do this stuff, but if you don't do it, it doesn't happen. So I'm going to make her do it. Then, she, then every Sunday from now on, she'll be up there making a show of herself. And people, why don't, why don't you give someone else a turn? And she'll say, "Listen, I don't care about y'all. Prophet said this is how you go after it." It's how you go after it. Listen, you got you to see the scripture. See, how many want to obey God? Really? Here's what the scripture says 1 Corinthians 12, 31. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. It says, desire spiritual gifts. Desire spiritual, brethren, especially to prophesy. That word desire is the only place it's used in the whole New Testament, it means to lust after. That's a commandment from God. That's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. So you're either going to do it or not do it. See, this is see when you receive it. That well, well am I going to be obedient to God or not be obedient to God? This is this is really the crux of it. You think you get to choose, and the answer is no. You're going to be obedient or be disobedient. Wow, you mean it's that serious? I said God takes it serious. Why? How do I? Why do I know that? Because God put together man. And when he put all the parts together, he designed them to be just like we are. Now, because of Adam, we had a dead spirit. Long comes Jesus. He dies in the cross. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe in your heart and confess in your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. You'll be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the dear Son instantly. Then Jesus is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptized me in the Holy Spirit. Now I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I get to do everything I'm supposed to do. For me not to do it is a waste of the cross. It's a waste of the cross if you're not going to do the stuff you're supposed to do. He designed you to hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. He designed you to hear the voice and to express prophetically the things he wants to say in the earth. See, you're designed this way. There's not not another something going on. He designed you to prophesy, to express his word wherever you go. That's That's a part of the release of the glory of God. Now listen, anybody can prophesy. How do I know that? Because 1 Corinthians 14, 31 says, all may prophesy one by one. See, if you believe your scripture, it happens automatically. But if you refuse to believe the scripture, you'll always be afraid. So you got to believe the scripture. God's called you to prophesy. You're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. Now you got to own the responsibility. you got to look at God and say, Lord, I'm not going to prophesy. Or you got to say, I'm going to prophesy. There's not a middle ground where you kind of you let it go by you and you say, well, he doesn't notice I'm not prophesying. Oh, yes, he does. He knows if you're being obedient or not. See, you guys want a personal relationship, but you don't want a personal responsibility. But you got to take the responsibility for who and what he made you to be. you got to take that responsibility. Norm, what do you mean? Will you go to any place? I'll go wherever he tells me to go. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. I've made up my mind. I'm convinced. My wife, I got the orders to go back to Ecuador in 2008. With or without money. I'm in my bed, 8.30 in the morning. I get a call from Cuenca, Ecuador, one of my guys. Prophet, when are you coming to Ecuador? The Lord says, tell him April. I said, I'm coming in April. A nanosecond. The Lord said, tell him April. I said, I'm coming in April. I give up the phone. My wife says to me, we were still in bed. We were awake, but we hadn't gotten up yet. She says, says, what's that all about? I said, I'm going to Ecuador in April. She says, why? I said, I have no idea. She says, more importantly, how are you going to go? I said, I don't know. But in April, I'll be in Ecuador. Mm-hmm. See, see, this, this is, when you get there, when you get there, you're totally submitted to his word and his will. Then all the good things happened. Yeah. See, so I go to Ecuador in April. I think I'm there for one reason. It was the wrong reason. I didn't know. I mean, I'm doing things, but... and no. The last day before I leave, I meet a man named Francisco or my good friend down there. He's got a church of about 6,000 people. I said, Francisco, one day, one of these pastors are going to get rid of all his programs and go into supernatural ministry. He said, I'll give you three weeks in August of two, 2008. I'll give you three weeks, first three weeks in August. And we went down there, and we got 2,500 people healed in three weeks, and we ended up being in three different churches. Okay? Tremendous things. One was raised from the dead. Wild. And then he says to me, I want you to come every two weeks. I want you you in my pulpit every night for two weeks, every month. And I did it for a year. The second year, I was there for a week. See, you say, what what, what about home? Who's paying your bills at home? What's that that got to do with it? Now, I don't think you should quit your job and go in the ministry full time. You'll starve. That's not not what I'm talking about. You got to obey God in this thing. See, and so, so we, go, we go, and my aunt, who didn't want me to go to Ecuador, thought I missed God. She says to me, who's now my mother, by the way, but that's a long story. But anyway, she says to me in July, I buy a ticket, by the way, for June. I'm working. If I don't work, we don't eat. I quit my job, or quit what I'm doing, and I go ahead and buy a ticket. Somebody who heard I was going sent me $600 to pay for the ticket. In July, I bought another ticket because I have to go get ready for this three weeks in August. In August, we go down, we do our three weeks, and then I start going every two weeks. Did you know that three years later, when I come home from Ecuador, all our bills were paid, except for our mortgage. Every debt we had was paid, supernaturally. You just just don't, just don't know what God did in that time. So God took care of everything. We've never had, from the day I decided to go back to Ecuador, knowing that if I didn't work, we didn't eat. The day I made that decision was the day when everything started to get paid. And God took over my finances, and we haven't had a, we have not had a moment's uh, place where we had to worry about finances ever again. We're, we're, we have more wealth and more stability now in our marriage after 30 years than any other time in our marriage. Since 2011, we have not had a worry. See, I can, I, I can go someplace that don't pay me. It don't matter. See, there was a time when I couldn't do that. There was, you know, if the, if you like you say, if you don't see, when I'll use the money if you send it. By the way, I got a place to put it. Okay, so don't, but but I'm saying it, that that we just entered a place of of prosperity with God. But we went before we got the prosperity, not after. Don't wait for a good time to start praying for people, prophesying over people. That's why I, that's why I just told her. See, listen, don't get nervous about this anointing, this thing you're going to walk in. I gave her a prophetic word today at lunch. That's why. Okay, that's why we're that's what we're talking about. See, so I said this is going to work. See, but she needs to know that she don't have to be concerned about her business and her home and her kids. She needs to know that. That's what God wanted me to tell her that. See, now I didn't plan to tell her, by the way. When I walked over to her, I didn't have anything for her. I just did, I just started to talk to her, and God told her what He wanted to tell her. Now I've been doing this for thirty years, and I got lots of practice. The little door of obedience, my wife helped me preach because she knows, the little door of obedience, when you go through the little door of obedience, the big door of opportunity is over there. So you, so you, you say, well, it doesn't matter. It's just a little door. No, it's everything. Most people are never told to do great things for God because they, God knows you won't do them. How many know you don't deal with God? He says, I want you to go to Africa, Norm. And you say, okay, uh, what's that going to mean? How long do I have to go for? Do I have to stay? You start asking him a bunch of questions. If he, That's what's going to be your answer to him. If, if, see, that we have to start like this. Lord, the answer is yes. What's the question? Man, you will hear from God. But you got to decide on the front end. I'm bought with a price. I belong to you. You want me to tell that person what? <laughs> I, want you, I want you to go over and tell that person. So we're sitting. I'm teasing them today at, tr- at lunch. We're having lunch. We had a great lunch, man. We had such a good time. I said, so I, the, the waiter comes by. I said, tell me your name again. What was his name? Huh? Ryan. I said, Ryan, the Lord wants you to know. And I started to prophesy to him. Boom, boom, boom. boom. Now, he was gracious to me. He didn't have a clue what we are talking about, did he? But he said, he said, wow, in three months, it's just when I'm getting out of school and I'll hear from God. Because I told him in three months, within three months, he's going to hear from God. I'll be out of school and I'm going to hear from God. He got all excited. See, now, d- does he know what that means? He didn't have a clue what that means. I can tell he doesn't know what it means. See, but 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 he he's now has some expectation that God's going to do something three months from now. So he's got an anticipation. Do you know if he believes God? Do you know God will tell him something? God will show up in his life three months from now. He's got to believe for it. Got to have an expectation. Got to be looking for it. I said, you're going to go have an event in your life. God's going to show up, but you're going to have an event. See, Who knows what it's going to be? Nice kid. He was a good waiter. So, so you, you—it's easy to do when you when you don't have any qualms about b- being used by God. You already decided, okay, I'm going to be used. Now, have I not prophesied over people? And the answer is yes. Have I not prayed for people? The answer is yes. And God will take you to the woodshed over it. If you do, if you do too much of it, Hey, so "Listen, you're not flown in the anointing that you're supposed to be flown in." See, now you guys. I'm, that happened to you, Haley? Did You pass something up, did you? No? You, ah, you, uh, yeah, he sure does have a woodshed, yeah. Yeah, he'll take you in there and say, listen, when are you going to get serious about the anointing on your life? How many feel you're anointed of God? Okay. All right, good. How many, let me ask you a question. I meant to ask this this morning, I didn't ask this. How many believe you're called to the five-fold ministry? Now, before, don't raise your hands yet. We're talking about you're called to be a prophet, you're called to be an apostle. You're called to be a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist. How many really believe that I have responsibility in the five-fold arena? How many people feel that way? Okay. We'll keep them up there. Okay. All right. I'm not going to ask you what that is. Okay. Okay. That's good. See, what happens is most of us, we don't know in the beginning. You don't have enough knowledge about your giftings and who you are. I told you, we just had this school. We, t- we did a, t- a school for people that wanted to study and teach the Bible. And we got four or five people that, that did a tremendous job teaching. And most of them have never taught before. One of them, I don't know how he got two words in front of one another. I mean, he has, I just don't know how he put all that together. And he had the most amazing, amazing teaching on the fasted life, fasting the world. He said, we're supposed to fast the world See the scripture says we're not supposed to be entangled in the affairs of the world. That means you're not supposed to be involved in politics. You're not supposed to be involved in family life except your own. I mean, you're not supposed to be caught up in stuff. You're not supposed to be baseball players. You're not supposed to be soccer players. You know, all these moms that take their kids to soccer practice and back and two and back and two. All that's worldly stuff. We're supposed to be separate from that. Now, do I think it's wrong to have your kid play sports? The answer is no. I'm just telling you that every time we entangle ourselves with the world, it takes us away from what God's called us to be or do. You want to have kids that never leave the Lord? Teach them to prophesy when they're five years old. Get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Take them with you. Heidi Baker's got 450 kids that can go down the dump and get people healed and saved and set free and delivered and bring them back out. She did it one by one. She took them down to herself. That's how you train people you got to take them. you got to take them. They won't go if you don't go. they got to see you. And then you train. do this, do this, do this. Okay, do this, do this, do this. And they start to do those things. And all of a sudden, they find out, my God, I'm good at this. See? I went and played golf when I was 35. I went out there to play that thing. I went and, went and took practice. I went down to see the, the, the pro. I said, okay, how good am I going to be? He says, if you play three times a week and you take a lesson a week, I can get you in the high 80s. He said, you're too old. You'll never have the swing you need to have. Got to start when you're five years old, four years old. Hockey. If you start playing hockey when you're five, you'll never be any good because you never can play with the people you're supposed to play with. Because the real hockey players start at three. And when the time you're five, if you start, you're not good enough to play with the ones who started at three. And when you wait till seven, you'll never catch up to to your age limit. You'll never catch up. You'll never be good enough. Because you got to start three. Put these kids on skates with a hockey stick, three years old. That's how they get good at things. So in the spirit, though, in the spirit, there's no time frame. So it doesn't matter how old you are. See? So we got a 68-year-old aunt who comes from New York. She shows up. She moves down. Her husband passed away. And she finally decided we're the only family she's got. So she moves down there. Uh, Margie's mom and dad were alive then. And so she moved down to be with us, and she started coming to our church. And she told me, she said, "Now listen, says, I'm not joining your church, but I'm a Catholic. But, but I'm going to come, and I want to help you." And so she gave an offering, and she come and she sat there. You know, see, five or six of the greatest words I've ever got, I got from her. I mean, tremendous, tremendous words. She has a vision every Sunday morning. An accurate vision. She just sit there. I remember I tell you, it's been six months with us, your life changed forever. So she sit there. She sit there. She sit there. One day she to me she said, "You know, I've been here almost two years. You've never given me a prophetic word." She used to say to me, "You know, I'm this close to joining the church." So I say to her, "You haven't joined the church yet." And I wasn't going to prophesy over her and let her think that the prophetic word was going to draw her into something. She had to make up her mind first. I don't want to have to live with it. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not going to live with her thinking that I coerced her or said a prophetic word to her about her gifting to get her to join us. Huh? You got to join first. She joined. We started giving her prophetic words, and her ministry blossomed. She's 80 years old now. Take her anywhere in the world; she can minister prophetically. I'm just—how oh, does that happen? Oh, you should just come sit there. She, pretty soon, she—now she, 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 let me tell you about Catholics. They eat this for free. Catholics, we always say that in, in South America, they're idol worshippers. They call them idol worshippers they're so dumb listen my aunt knew about Jesus from the time she was growing up every Catholic knows about Jesus as a savior they go to church every morning he's hanging on the cross what do you mean they don't know he's a savior for us to think he, they don't know Jesus as a savior that's just, that's just a misnomer now do they, do they still pray to the idols and do some stuff yeah they do Baptists don't believe in the Holy Ghost I mean you know I mean come on So 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 so, so to me to me, I know better than to challenge. Catholics are the best people in the world to bring new into the church. I'm just telling you. Because they don't have all the teaching, you don't have to unteach them anything. You know, you get a Baptist that comes to visit and they get excited about the Holy Ghost. You know what their biggest problem is? They were told all their life the tongues isn't for today. See? So they, don't, they, have, to, they have to overcome that, that teaching that they had all their life. They have to overcome it. You get that for free. But Catholics are easy. My friend, Bolivar Ramon, who called me that in January of 2008, he started a new church up there called 180 Degrees. He has no what we call Christian jargon. He says, if you want your life turned around, come be with us. They're all filled with the spirit. They're all saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. They all speak in tongues. They all do miracle ministry because he's a he's a champ. He can he, you give him 150 kids, six or eight, ten years old? He'll put them on the floor and they'll all go to heaven and visit Jesus and come back and tell you all about it. I mean, this guy is the best children's ministry I've ever seen in my life. But he's there with these guys. And, and he said one time, he said, you know, I'm thinking about maybe changing the advertising. I said, I wouldn't change a thing. The last thing you need is getting some of these other people to come in and bring all that religious junk into your midst. You got a whole church full of people who have no religious garbage to deal with. They have no wrong teaching. Didn't have any teaching at all. They were Catholics. And then mostly they don't get taught, you know what I mean? They go for the mass, the mass in Latin or Spanish, and, you know, they have some teaching, but they don't ever get taught stuff. So I said, you don't have to reteach them. I mean, you got the best of the thing, man. And so he's, uh, he's got a nice nice church, a nice situation. I'm going to go there again one day, but it's, you know, got to go have a plan to get up, up in the country. He lives, he's at 60, no, 8,600 feet high. Now when I was in Quito, I was 97 feet high. In Kentucky it's about 105. It's cold all the time in Quito. It's 50 degree weather all the time. It never gets warm. It's amazing. Once, one afternoon I was outside waiting for someone to pick me up and they didn't come. It got up to 75 and I got a little warm. But mostly it's cold all the time. And, I, and, I, and I, you think, believe it or not, I got pretty used to it. If you have told me i get used to being cold, I'd say you're nuts. But now I'm home again. Now I'm not used to it anymore. This is cold up here, guys. All right, so where are we at? I want to finish this up. So the the teaching tonight is this, right? The word gifts is not right. It's manifestation. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to profit everybody. Inside of you, say, inside of me. Loud voice. Inside of me resides all of God through the Holy Ghost. And when I allow him to manifest himself, I can change the world for somebody else. That's, that's, that's tonight's message. See? The gifts will work when they're supposed to work. I told the ones this morning about going to meet my first prophet, and we got in the circle and get words of knowledge. How many know who Todd, Todd Bentley is? You remember when he was at Lakeland? He was at Lakeland, Florida. For I watched him on TV a hundred nights. Call out words of knowledge. Boom, 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 boom. A hundred nights. And I said, look, I should be able to do that. I should be able to do that. I watched him night after night after night after night. I'm watching Todd Bentley. Now listen, I'm watching Todd Bentley on the TV. My son comes home. It's like 1130 at night. I'm watching the TV in the den. He comes in the front door and he's going to walk down the, to, the, to his room. He walks like this. And he backs up. He says, what in the world are you watching? I can feel the anointing way over here. I'm, this, is, this is a true story. He could feel the anointing from that TV. 30 feet away. Just walking down here. He said, man, that's he, my son's very sensitive to those kinds of things. I'm sitting in front of it. I didn't feel the anointing. But I'm watching. I'm seeing what's happening. He said, what in the world are you watching? I can feel the anointing way over here. My son's a seer prophet. He's going to start traveling with us this year. We believe God for that. Yes, we have. Okay, and uh, he's coming back, and we will bring him sometime. Anyway, anyway, he said, "Wow." So anyway, I make up my mind. I watch him call it these words of not. So I go to I go to Riverview, Florida, and I and I got up there and I get my. I said I tell the guy I do all my preaching just like tonight. I said, "Okay." I said, "Give me a, a play. Play the song. You know, there's more love, more power, more love, more power, more of you in my life." I said, "Play that and don't stop. Just keep playing it." So I took my microphone. I'm down here. I said, okay. And I start walking. See? And every saying, I wonder what he's doing. See? Turn the corner. And the answer was, I'm not doing nothing. I made up my mind I wasn't going to move and do anything, so I got a word of knowledge for healing. I made up my mind. See, you say, you can make up your mind? Oh, yeah. Once you're involved with God, I partner with Him, I get to make up my mind about things. So I made up my mind. Walk back down. He's playing. Turn around and walk back up this way. And I turn that corner and I started back the other way. The, the front square, so it's all of this, but it's all square. I turn that corner and I get a word of knowledge for healing. I said, someone here has got this problem. Who is that? And the lady stands up. You'll love this, Lawrence. I don't have a plan. (laughs) No, I don't know what to do. I mean, what am I supposed to do now, right? So I go there a lot, so I know everybody. I said it'd be like here. I say, Bill, you, you and Carol, come up here and pray for that lady. So I said, I said, Tony, you and David, come up here and pray for this lady. And I got eight more words of knowledge. As I walk back and forth, I got eight. Who's got this? Who's got this? They stand up. Come on. And then I start assigning them teams. And pretty soon I got eight teams up there. Now let me tell you about praise and worship. Got this thing going. My guy on the platform, he changed from this worship, more love, more power to a praise song. And that door come down that thing like, and shut off all the words of knowledge just like that. I knew what I wanted. I didn't tell him to change it. I mean, I'm not mad at him over it, but, you know, he's, not, he's supposed to be obedient. See, he's supposed to—you you have to understand your place. Huh? You to, yeah, but you also have to be sensitive to the order. Play this song, don't stop. And so when, when, we do, when we do fire tunnels, we have one song, and we play it for— I don't care, as long as we're laying hands on people, you play, play that song. We get bored of it. How could you get bored? We got people getting healed. People stacked up on the floor, hundreds of, got a hundred people laid out on the floor. And you're bored? I mean, come on. So, so, so anyway, he, he changed that thing like that. But see, but see, I go right back to where I used to be. I'd say, okay, who else has got pain or sickness in their body? 30 people stood up, I said, come up and get one of these lines. I got eight teams back here praying for people, and everybody got healed. It's great stuff, huh? But I'd made up my mind that God could give me a word of knowledge because words of knowledge are gifts of the Spirit, and He's in me. And if he's in me, then I have access to words of knowledge and words of wisdom. I have access to them. And they're in there. All I need is the manifestation of this thing. So I made up my mind. That's what he and I were going to do. And I wasn't going to do nothing until that happened. Bold, huh? But he bailed me out again. See, I, I can count on God. See, I can count. You can count on him. He's not going to leave you out there hanging. He may send you to die, but you're going to know it. It's not going to be a surprise. You know, you know what I'm saying? You, know, you, you can have situations that aren't to your liking, but you'll know what God's doing in it. See? So the, the, this thing is working in you all the time. man. Lord, what do you want me to do about this? What do you want me to do about that? I've been praying over this meeting here since the day I spoke to you on the phone before, before New Year's. I've been praying over this meeting. What, how am I supposed to do this? Because I know what you wanted to accomplish. Not, how do I do that? How do I do that in such a way that when I leave here, all of you want what you're called to be and do more than anything else in the world? Because if I tell you about the giftings and I even tell you what you're called to do and you're not motivated to go after it, nothing happens. You've got to want this if you have to crawl over glass. Now, he doesn't require you to crawl over glass, but you've got to be willing to get in line with things and walk with them, find out what God's doing, Okay? Anyway, that's all for tonight. We're going to just spend a few minutes after I get a drink of water and do some ministry. What time is it? Man, nine o'clock. What time did I start? Eight, seven thirty. there. wow, it's too late. I just really got more to teach, but can't do everything. I got to teach them one more, more thing. Are you good for another thirty minutes? I got to touch this. I should have been there a long time ago because this is really what I wanted to teach you. In Romans chapter 12, it talks about the motivational gifts of God. The motivational gifts of God are gifts. Say they're gifts. God has given me certain propensities that work in me according to his will. The reason is that empty? Is that an empty bottle? Well, let me have it anyway. It's, it's empty enough. Okay. So let me read them real quick, and so you guys can know what I'm talking about, and then we'll go on. I'm going to do this very, very quick. It's a short, but I need to at least show it to you. Romans chapter 12 says this. Love this stuff. Oh, silly. That won't work. Here we go. It says, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one member one of another. How many know you're connected? You got to know that, see. That, by the way, this is, it says that when you discern the Lord's body, that people get sick and die because they don't properly discern the Lord's body. This is the same thing he's talking about. First Corinthians is full of not discerning the Lord's body correctly. But in this case, it says this. And it says, so we, being many... Are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing, say differing, according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith; or ministry, let us weigh down our ministry. And that means serving. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Then he goes on, let love be without dissimulation. and behold that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Okay, now, here's the reason this teaching is is necessary. This is a cup, a glass cup filled with water. And I'm up here, and I'm getting flimsy, and I spill it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, I'm usually seven in the front. So this guy over here, he's a prophet, and he says he's not a prophet. He has the gift of prophecy. It's a gifting that has to do with how he thinks and how he sees things. I have two. I have a major and a minor. Most people have two. Just to to, this is my own opinion. Okay, I have a, my major is prophecy. My minor is ruling. Right. We got it, we're gonna do it. we're gonna put a roof on a church. Now, I have never worked with my hands in my life except once. One time I worked with my hands, but I built build, build cabinets for three months. Okay, but I'm not a what do I know about roofing? But we had ten guys and a roofer, and the roofer had no skills for ruling. And I had lots of skills for ruling. So he told me what had to be done, and I organized the team. Never did a roof in my life, but I could follow. He told me what had to be done, and I would just get get everybody lined up. Someone bring up the shingles. Someone put here. we got to start here. Okay, you start there. You start the next. And I lined them all up, and bam, 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 we put that roof up. I know nothing about roofing, but I know about ruling. I know how to get you all in the line. That's why I'm so good at my ministry, teaching, training, equipping, because I rule well. I'll tell you another story about that in a minute. So I say to him, He says to me, he says, Norm, if you'd hold that properly, you wouldn't drop it. That's how prophets talk. She has a mercy gift. She said, Norm, don't worry about it. It could happen to anybody. See, she immediately shows me mercy. Okay. The little one here, she's the ruler. She says, Tim. Where's Tim? She says, Tim go get a broom, let's get this let's, let's sweep this up. He's a server. He says, no, no, I'll go get the broom, I'll sweep it up. Yours giving. you say, don't worry, Norm, I'll buy a new cup. Do you, see, do you see how this works? This is important. Why is this important? Because the biggest problem we have in the church is that you judge everybody else in their ministry. You judge me because I'm prophetic and I minister prophetically. Because you got a mercy gift. He said, how could Norm talk to that person like that? How could he say those things to that person? How could he? doesn't he have any love in him. Yeah, I have love. I love you a lot. And I'm ministering out of my gifting. And these things are so deep in you. And the church doesn't teach them. You did, which is good, but the church normally doesn't teach on it, and so we judge one another because they don't do it the way we do it because we think we do everything right. See, you do do everything right for your gifting, but they have a different gifting. We have gifts differing one from another, and we have to understand what our giftings are so we understand who we are. We need them all. Thank you, sweetie. We need them all. We need you just the way God made you. Now, we don't need you with your flesh in the way. See? We don't need you with your flesh. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about those differences. I'm talking about in the spirit we have differences. So, so if I got, let's say that you, you come to my church and you got problems and you say to me, really, I just need some counseling help. I say, good. When, when are you going to be available? You say Wednesday night at eight. I say, okay. I get on the phone. Joanne, I got a counseling appointment on Wednesday night at eight. Why do we do that? Because she's the counselor. She's the pastor and she's the counselor. And she's really, really good at it. She, she, she takes those life courses. What do you you know what I'm talking about? Life coaching courses. She's excellent at it. I told you this morning how I counsel, right? How many were here this morning? For those who weren't here, well, the boys, the kids are here, I can't tell you. But but I was little I was really raw about a couple of things I told some people. Y- y'all are wondering, what in the world did he say? Well I can't tell you, so you just have to live with it. So so anyway, but anyway, so anyway, you do things and you're gifting that other people look at that and say, how could you do that? Because that's how I work. That's how I see things. That's how I'm motivated by God. The gifting comes from him. It's a legitimate gifting, ministering prophetically. I don't mean ministering prophetically, but in my prophecy, the gift of prophecy works in me all the time. Now, you may not be, everybody can say, everybody can prophesy. But if you've got a mercy gift, you got a mercy gift, it's so easy to judge everybody else because everybody else looks mean. See, she's got to have an understanding that when I minister in my prophetic gifting, I'm not being mean, I'm being godly. Come on, guys, you got to get this so you can stop judging how other people minister out of their life. I'm talking about in our purest form. When, when I've submitted myself totally to God and when I minister, I minister with the gifts he gave me. See, that norm is so bossy. Man, you show up and he'll, he'll put you to work. He'll have you do this and have you do that. Yeah. I'm really good at that. We had a guy, his name was Chris. I'm taking a team to Naples from from Miami. We're going over to Naples, Florida. We're gonna go over, we're gonna do a Friday night, a Saturday morning, a Saturday afternoon, and we're gonna teach healing to a small church, 25, 30 people. I'm not used, I'm not I want to train those people, but it's for my team. I'm keeping training my team. So we got all ready, we make the arrangements, we're gonna spend one night over there, we load everybody up, we take them over. This Chris kept saying, Well, we come back. We come back on, on a workshop that next week. Everybody was there, and I was saying, give a testimony of what happened. He said, can I say something? I said, yeah, Chris, you can say something. He said, listen, all week I kept saying, I missed the training. I must have missed the training. When did they train for this? I don't remember the training. And the answer was, here was the training. Whatever I tell you to do, do quickly. That was the training. There was no training. So we get over there, we line them up, we do they do praise and worship. I walk up in the beginning, I teach on healing. I say, okay, team, come on up here. Now, now if 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 I was doing it here tonight, I'd have 12 people up here, six teams. I'd go down there and say, your leader, your leader, your leader, your leader, your leader. I'm gonna pray, you're gonna pray, the people are gonna get healed. And it worked. So he gets up there and we and, and it worked. He said, I thought I missed the training, and I realized we didn't need a training. See, why? Because everybody, now listen, everybody was submitted to me and my leadership and my ruling gifting in the spirit. And because they submitted to it, you didn't have to go through a lot of issues. I did tell them this. When I go on the road, I don't do issues. In other words, if you two come with me and you get mad at him, I don't deal with it on the road. If you get mad and you want to go home, fine. But I don't deal with it on the road. I don't do counseling in the middle of what we're doing. You, you, I, you eat it, you live with it. When we get home, we'll straighten out. We don't do it on the road. You, when you're on the road, I'm bringing a team here in March. Listen, we don't have time for stuff on the road. You got to pay attention, do what you're told, be obedient, don't get out of pocket, mind your own affairs. You know what I mean? You got you to be on the team. See? And everybody, I choose what I have people do according to their gifting. See, that's how that's supposed to work. I rule. I'm not hard. I'm easy. But someone's got to be in ruling to make it work. And I can take a team anywhere in the world. We change the church in three days. Change, totally ratify, rack, rack them up in three days. If everybody obeys me. If you don't obey me, now i got issue. we got rebellion. It's a whole, a whole different. But if, you, if everybody's obedient and loves God, and they'll operate in their gifting, it works so easy. It's the easiest thing in the world to take 12 people and go change a church. Easiest thing in the world. You say, Norm, how's that easy? It's just easy, because you flow in your every flows in their gifting, every's trained in their gifting. Every knows how to prophesy. Every knows how to heal sick. Every knows how we're going to do it. They understand the process. Everybody's ready to go. Nobody's going to fight the issue. Nobody's got a different idea. If you got a different idea, you stay home. I don't need a different idea. See, you, you understand? Because because it interferes with what God's trying to do. We, we you, if you want to if you want to challenge me, challenge me at the house. Listen, I think I have a better idea. Okay, let's talk about it. But when we get in the car, it's too late for that. We're, doing it, we're going to do whatever we decided. Right? You do what you're supposed to do. And so, so this giftings are so important. I got, I got Bob Quirk. He's an airline pilot. He's going on his first trip with me. I trained him in 2001 and 2002. How to prophesy, how to hear the voice of God, how to heal the sick. He's one of my ordained ministers for all these years. He's going on his first trip because he's always busy. He's, he's going to take a week's vacation so he can come up here for three days. Okay? So see, you know what he does? He is so gentle. He's so gentle. If I got an issue, Bob, go take that person, and go love on him. See, he's gonna do that. I'm not gonna send some of these guys. They'll go eat the person alive. Say, listen, that's stupid. Don't do that. You know, I, no, no. You, you know I me, mean? you gotta you gotta use you gotta use the giftings for what they're going Now, some people need to be told that. Bob, go over and straighten that person out. He'll go love on him. If I go straighten him out, I'm going to say, hey, stop that. See, sometimes one's needed, sometimes another one's needed. Knowing how that works has to be doing with your teamwork. But you have to know the giftings of the people. If See, if I took you right now, if I was going to go someplace, here's what I'd take I'd take Tim, I'd take you, I'd take Casey, I'd take, I'm sorry, your name. What? Bill, okay? I'd take Carol and, and, um, Bill, the other Bill, okay. Okay, and I take these two over here. Why? Because I already know who they are. I would even take you. <laughs> See, you know what I mean? But I mean, I would know, I would know how to utilize you to the best of your ability, because I know I know how you think. And I, I learned more about how you think in the last six months than I have in five years. I've enjoyed every conversation we've had. And it required me to. Work with us to be here effectively this weekend, which is good for me. I need to have some adjustment in my thinking, my own thinking. Where are they at? Forget where you're at, Norm. Where are they at? See, that's because I'm not, I usually do my own thing. But with you, I didn't do my own thing. I come do your thing. I'm always submitted where I go, but I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about in my agenda. My agenda this weekend is your agenda. I don't have an agenda of my own. So that requires some. Different kind of a thinking. It's just too much to go into. So 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 I had to go through some of that myself. But I got to know you. I know your heart for the people. This is this is good stuff. So the giftings that you guys have in your motivational giftings, you need to, you need to really analyze these seven things and find out which ones apply to you. See? Somebody is a giver in this place. I see I see I watch how people give. It's just a small thing. We were out at dinner last night. And we stayed at the table for an hour with 25 people out there waiting for a seat. We held those seats for an extra hour, Gavin. We were having a wonderful time. And finally, someone says, I'm not going to mention his name. But he said, you know, we need to get up out of here. They, they need these tables and this poor waitress. So I reached in my wallet. And he says, we need a really tipper. So I reached my wallet and I put down $5. And a minute later, somebody threw a $20 on there. I said, man, I had a chance to be great. <laughs> and I didn't take it. Not that I'm not generous, you understand? But I just I took out $5 and laid it down there. Somebody else threw that 20 round top. I said, Man, I could have been great. See, I could have, I could have had that generous heart, being a cheerful giver thing. See? See? But I, I just, I, I gave adequately, but I wasn't, I didn't have that great, generous thing. Somebody else is a giver. You see how that works? And so, so I looked at Now, some people didn't give anything. That doesn't mean they're not a giver. See, you can't, I can't assume they were wrong. See, I don't, and I don't assume they're wrong. Why? Because some of, that, some of those people at that table have given generously to me for over 10 years. You understand what I'm saying? There's a, there's a real big dynamic going on there. It's not, it's not, it's not as easy. So I, don't, I didn't have to judge anybody about it. I just wished I would have put down a 20 instead of a five. I'm serious. I'm serious. I, you know, I just said, you know, I should have did that. And so so you you learn the people you're with. You learn how everybody works and what their motivational gifts are. So it's really important that you know who you are. You need to know who you are. I walk into a room with 10 people. I talk to them for five minutes. I know who's over me and who's under me. I'm just telling you. I know who's over me, who's under me. I know who I'm going to submit to. I know I'm going to rule over. Why? Because that's how my gifting works. First off, I'm prophetic. Now, it won't work if they're not godly. It's because the ungodly people screw everything up. See, they operate on, they operate on different motives and different, different thinkings and, and different things that makes it hard. You get a stubborn woman who wants her own way and she'll turn the whole church upside down. You get one woman who's, who's mean, got a mean streak inside, and who, who thinks the carpet's supposed to be blue, man, you are gonna have all day with that. See? But you, if people are godly. The giftings work so easy, it's easy to identify who people are. And you need to know who you are. You need to look at those things and pray over them. Ask God to show you what they are. Look at how you operate with people. First off, examine your life. Am I really spiritual? See, am I really spiritual? Am I flowing Are you praying in tongues every day? Are you flowing in the spirit? Are you looking for God in everything you look at? You see them here and to see them there. If you're not doing that, then that's what you do first because you can't discover the giftings until you decide to be spiritual. You can't decide on the giftings. Or you can't have the understanding about the giftings and the information, the identity about the giftings until you be, decide to be spiritual. That means you've got to give up yourself for God. That's what being spiritual is. Spiritual says, I belong to you. I've been bought with a price for what you want me to do. That's what spiritual is. We can talk about different things. Oh, woo, woo, woo. No, no, no. When you get down to the rock bottom thing is, I'm willing to do what God tells me to do. I'm willing to go where he tells me to go, and I'll suffer great personal tragedy and loss to accomplish the will of God. You know what that looks like? I go to a church to teach. I'm going to be there two weeks. I ask him, he wants me to come for two weekends, but he's got them separate. He's got me far apart. He's got me one weekend and the next weekend with a whole week in between. I mean, it was it a was crazy schedule. I to be in Ecuador an extra week for this. But I submit to it. I say, okay, I'm going to go. They put me in a house. They put me in a house with no air conditioning and no refrigerator. That means my water that I drink is going to be 110 degrees. And there's no food. I got a bathroom, the door is that wide. I can't walk through the bathroom door. Now listen, I have the unfortunate happenstance that I'm as wide this way as I am this way. Okay, and so now I go, I go, to go in the bathroom. I go in there to comb my hair and brush my teeth. Can't use the water, gotta have water. It's gotta be warm water because I don't have any refrigerator. And then I look up to shave and I don't have a mirror. See? I go to sit on the commode, and my w- w- head hits the wall on the other side. You go down to the end of the shower stall, and if you drop the soap, you got to get out of the shower to pick it up. <laughs> it's, it's this big. And I'm there for two weeks. You know what I did? I could go across the street and knock on the door in the morning, and they would make me a Spanish breakfast. An Ecuadorian, well, I know, I was, I was being gentle, but a, an Ecuadorian breakfast which is a hard roll, a piece of ham, and a cup of hot chocolate, maybe, or a glass of juice, okay? Okay. And there was something about me having to go and knock on the door. I said, I'm not doing that. I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to go over and put myself in the place of having to ask them to feed me. They brought me down here, you know what I mean? I wouldn't do it. So I I ate it the... KFC for two weeks. I gained 10 pounds in two weeks. I had, breakfast, I had breakfast there, I had lunch there, and I had supper there for two weeks. He took me out to eat at night sometimes. we go to a chicken place or whatever. Not too many places open at 10, 11 o'clock at night. Boy, it got harder and harder. Oh, <laughs> I forgot to tell you about the bed. The bed was old. And, and you know how they have, the, they have the slats that go across? But the outside things were bowed. So, so if, it, if the slats could slide one way or the other, the mattress would fall in the hole. And so you're there sleeping at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and you roll over, and bam, down it would go. Now, I, didn't, I could handle that part, but hey, I'm, I'm 75 years old. i got to lift that mattress up and get those slats back in place and put that mattress back in the bed and by myself in the middle of the night. I'm just, you, know, you just don't know. You just don't know. Now, I don't, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not. From now on, I go to the hotel. I go up and down the elevator. They got they got the restaurant inside there. You understand? I can't. I can't do that anymore. I'm past that stage. I'm not going to do that, and I don't have to, and I'm not going to. But but I'm just telling you. That's just. The, I, I tell you those stories because it's funny, and so you need to know what it's like on the on the uh, out there when you're trying to do stuff. But when I talk to you about that trip, that's not what I tell you. We walked in a team with 400 people and days they were all prophesying. How many's got a notebook with them? Got, ever got something to write with? Write this down. Going to change your life forever. You guys, you two, me already know. Going to change your life forever. <laughs> well, that was that was mild compared to some things I've done. Oh, by the way, I did have the time before I got stranded like that. I went out and bought my own air conditioner. So I left it down there, so the next day I went and got the air conditioner, and I put it in the window, and I did have air conditioner in my bedroom. But every place else, it was 100 degrees every day, all day long. So, that's, that's, you know, so I least had the air conditioner. So when, when I fell in the hole from the bed, at least it was cool. So <laughs> write this down. Dave, D-A-V-E, Roberson, R-O-B-E-R-S-O-N, dot .org. The name of the book is A Walk in the Spirit, A Walk of Power. The number one life changing book for your life. It was written by a man named Dave Roberson, obviously. He wrote it. He was a Pentecostal preacher. He had two church splits. He finally got mad at the whole deal. He said, I'm going to work for God. And he started praying. Eight hours a day. He'd go in there at 7 o'clock in the morning. He'd pray till the whistle blew for the, for the, for the factory. He'd come out for 15 minutes. The whistle blew, he'd go back in, drink a cup of coffee, go back in. He said, I prayed everything in English I knew in 15 minutes. And I started praying in tongues. And I, he never would tell anybody how long he did that. But I, I always knew. By the Spirit, I always knew. And when he finally told us, I was right. So I, that's why I said, I always said he was in there for three months. He comes out of there after three months of praying in tongues eight hours a day. That changes a man. See, now you can't do that. you got to work and so forth. But, man, if you can get in a two-hour session once a week, change your life forever. 30 minutes a day for 30 days, you'll be a different person. Okay. But anyway, he comes out of there. He goes to a, how many know about the Methodist Church? Anybody know the Methodist Church? Come on, you all know the Methodist Church. Okay, the Methodist Church, they have a thing called a lay witness mission. And what they do is they go to all the churches where they got some really excited people about Jesus, and they bring them to one church to like do like a a mini revival. It's a lay witness mission, but it's like a mini revival. The guys that are excited about Jesus come in and they give testimonies and, and they preach and, and 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 people get turned down to God. That's the idea. And they have these things called coffees. Coffees. My last trip in the Methodist church, I was there in a coffee. And the question from the moderator was, when is the last time you had an experience with God? And this lady says, it's 1977. I remember it well. She says, the last time I had an experience with God was 1927. This happened to me. And I thought, 50 years? And you had no encounter with the Spirit of God for 50 years? And the Lord said to me, why are you trying to change their church? Because I was a charismatic in this church. But that, that was the church. I wasn't the church. I was an outsider in that church. And in two weeks, I was gone. Haven't been to Methodist church. I've been there since, but I've never belonged since that time. But he said, 50 years, she hadn't had an encounter with God. How's that possible? How can you know God and not have an encounter with God? See, I mean, some, some kind of an encounter with God. Listen, if you can't get in this praise and worship tonight and have an encounter with God and this stuff, man, you, get, you need to get saved or get filled with the Holy Ghost. This is good stuff, right? I mean, this is, this is good stuff. Dave Roberson comes out and he goes to the coffee on Saturday morning. He's sitting there. He said, I was swirling the coffee in my cup for excitement. I mean, seriously, they're really dull. Because nobody has an account with God. There's nothing to talk about. And he looked over at the lady next to him, and her hip was black. He could see through her leg, and it was black from here down to here. He says, ma'am, you've got cancer, don't you? She said, yes, I do. He said, can I pray for you? Now we're in the Methodist church, in the fellowship hall. She said, sure, of course you can. He gets down there and he pulls those feet up, and one is six inches, that bad leg is six inches shorter than the other one. He's a Pentecostal preacher. Father God in heaven! He starts, you know. And man, the Methodist men, they run over there, and they said, you can't do, oh my God. And that leg went, and she was totally healed. The Methodist ministers ran to the back and had a discussion. What are we going to do about this? But the kids, the youth, they ran to get the blind kid. See, see, you can you see the response? They went and got the blind kid and shoop, put him right in front of Dave. He prays for the blind kid. The blind kid gets healed. There's something going on here. Here's a man filled with power and anointing. And the kids responded quickly to the things of God. And it stuck him in there. Boom, got healed. The blind kid got healed. They finally decided that he could minister, but he could only minister in the basement. No, listen, they they didn't know what to do with the power of God. That's what we're teaching on tomorrow, about the power of God. So so there's a thing that's going on here that you guys are equipped to handle the very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The very same power that raised him from the dead is in you to move mightily in the earth and give a demonstration to represent Jesus in all that he is and can be to the, to the world and to the body of Christ. You're supposed to represent him. And I'm going to tell you this. People don't like it when I say this. I'm serious. I get, I get, I get flack for this. From, even from my friends. People that respect me and like me get mad about this. If you don't know Jesus and his power you don't know Jesus. They say, oh no, no, it's love, it's got to be love. No, you got to know him in his power because that's who he is. That's who God is. If you don't know him in his power, you don't have any clue about God. God sent his only son to die knowing he had the power to raise him from the dead. Abraham, go kill your son Isaac knowing he had the power to raise him from the dead. And Abraham knew that he had the power to raise them from the dead, so he was willing to do it. Come on, you, where's this kind of people? One last thing, I'll, I'll stop with this, and we'll go do something else. I saw two Muslims on TV. And the Muslim says, "One, the man, he says, now you know there's three different areas of Muslims, and you've got, this ten, you've got these people that are warm, loving people. You know, they don't hate anybody, they're not mad to anybody, they're just warm, loving people. The woman gets up. It's her turn. She spoke for a minute and a half. It's all she spoke. She said, you guys have got it all wrong. The ones who kill everybody and cut off heads and, and radicalize and blow people up, they are the ones who believe the book. You're just, you're just, you're goofy about this thing, she said. You're all wrong about your thinking. These are the ones who read the book are the ones who are causing the problems. They read the book. And I thought, that's what's wrong with the church. We need some radical Christians like that. Norm, you're too radical. I'm normal. See, I'm not radical. I'm normal. Well, I'm not normal. God told me I wasn't normal. But <laughs> he did one time. I was in a conference with 500 people in a conference. And Robin McMillan from uh, Rick Joyner's church got up on the platform. He said, he said where's Norman? Is Norman here? my people said stand, stand up i said i'm i raised my hand and he said the lord says you're not normal listen listen i was there in prophetic ministry i watched them do prophetic ministry it made me look like i had a, a kindergarten school ground compared to the ministry they were doing i was totally embarrassed about all of it. i said man we, i'm not doing this stuff right these guys really got it right you know, got, you know a self-worth issue right? And he said you're not normal but the lord says You're made to mine and the Holy Ghost specifications. You're exactly the way I want you. Hey! That's what you get. Okay, let's stop right there. Go ahead, babe. Oh. It's a free download. It's it's free. Yeah, it's a free download. I told some people in Ecuador, that same church I was talking about, the next day they handed me a manual with all the pages printed out and given. It's in both Spanish and English, several languages. Change your life forever. He prayed in tongues for three days. And what happened to him? He walked out of there filled with power. I used it in my church in uh, 1984, sometime 83, 84, and uh, probably 84. And he'd come in there and he would, he would do this. He'd, he'd say, You stand up. He'd say, uh, Your gallbladder is infected. And he, don't, he didn't touch anybody. He'd just point to me and go, And God's healing you right now. And the power of God knocked you about 20 feet and you wake up healed. Get up healed, you know. I had Powerful, powerful anointing. And, but I got a chance. He helped me with this. you love this. He said to me, I had lunch with him. He said, I said, how do you handle being gone all the time? I didn't know I was going to Ecuador for three years. I didn't know I was going. You understand when I asked that question? I was just a small little pastor who didn't even know what it was, which way it was up. I said, how do you handle being gone? He said, if it's not God, you can't do it. See? I'm gone nine months of the year. Not not at one time. He's in and out. But nine months, three months home and nine months gone. He said, if you're not called to, it doesn't work. So when I got sent to Ecuador, I said to my wife, is this going to work? And she said, now listen, this is, she knows. What does she know? Come on, what did I start off with tonight? Come on, who remembers? It's only an hour and a half ago. God's a good God. If I'm going to Ecuador if God sends me, it's going to be good for my wife. Say, we know it's going to be good for her. Say, come on, we know it's going to be good for Margie. He loves her. Okay, he's not going to hurt her by sending me to Ecuador. He, that's not how he does things. So we know that it's good for her and it's good for me if I go, if he tells me to go. I said, to her, do you think this is God? She says, I think it's God. Do you think you should go? I'll be gone a lot. She says, if I can call you on the phone, it'll work. So my phone bill, all the while I was gone, was $300 a month, on top of everything else. And it worked for three years. Changed my life forever. Wouldn't trade it for nothing. I know, I got to quit. My wife's telling me it's time. I went, the years I went was, I was 69, 70, and 71. Hey, there's stuff out there for you guys. Don't cut yourself short, man. God is, he's not hungry and thirsty for people so much that he'll he'll use anybody. But everybody's a candidate. He wants to use you like that. And as much as you'll accept from God, he'll do that for you. Okay, enough of that. i got to quit. I love this stuff. Can you tell? Okay, tonight, who's who's not filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues? You say, I'm not filled with the Holy Ghost. I've never received the Holy Ghost. I've never spoken in tongues. Who is that? Anybody? Wow, this is great you're batting hundred percent two to two meetings I've never been in a church service ever wherever he was filled with the Holy Ghost this is the most wonderful thing in the world i I stand in awe of the ministry here and i'm telling you that's the key to to ministry is being filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues and believing God okay so we'll skip all that so then that means I get to do what I want well, i got to follow God. Stand up. What's your name? Terry? Terry? Charity. Do Charity. you go to church here? I heard the Lord say this. The Lord says, when you look at yourself, you never see yourself as a leader. And the Lord says, that's I'm not making you a leader. But the Lord says, you see the wrong things when you look at yourself. The Lord says, from now on, look at what I've called you to be. Read my word. You know, there's there's things in the word that go. They're in Him. We have this in Him. In whom we have this. Read those, all the in Hims and in Homes, to find out who you are and what your identity is. And the Lord says it, it's not going to make you a supernatural wild leader, but it's going to change your thought life about yourself. And the Lord says you're going to see your worth that God's called you to do great and mighty things. And the Lord said it's going to change. It's going to change the way you live. Your natural life more than anything else that you've ever done in God, it's going to change the way you relate. Do you have children? Do you have children? We got some. It's going to relate the way you the way way you relate to your children. It's going to change the way you raise them and the way you relate them. You're married, okay? It's going to relate. It's going to change your relationship with your husband. As soon as you realize who you are and you start to rule over every issue you have, that's where you're going to rule. That's where you're going to shine. That's where you're going to take authority. In, the, in your in all your normal things, and the Lord said, after that season, the Lord says, I'll put you in a ministry you won't be able to believe. Okay, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Are you are you a couple? Okay, stand up. I see you got this wild shirt on. What, what's your names? Tell me your names. Russell and Kim. Russell and Kim. I heard the Lord say this. Uh, you're all, you're not late. You're not late. The Lord says, but you're behind. And the Lord says, if you guys will come in and get on a fast track with me, the Lord says, I'll put you in ministry quickly, quickly, quickly. The Lord says, all you got to do is come in and submit to the leadership of the church. And the Lord says, there's, there's things to be done that I've designed the two of you for as a couple to come in and take a, I don't want to say a leadership position because that's not mine to say or do. But the Lord says, to put you in a place of authority in the spirit to cause things to change and happen. And the Lord says, you guys need to get serious about that, decide among yourselves, are we really want to be in ministry? Do we really want to serve God at a higher level? And when you make that decision, come and submit to leadership and watch how quickly God opens up ministry for you. You need, you need to be laying hands on the sick or wherever you go. God's got a tremendous healing and anointing on your life. And you just need to grab a hold of this thing. This is the season for you guys to make up your mind about that. Okay, I'm not chastising you for not making up you know, how many know there's nothing bad in God? It's all good, okay? But the Lord says it's t- you, you. can catch up quick. Quickly, the Lord's going to raise you to a place where you're going to be competent in ministry. Okay. Hallelujah. You they taking names for you guys for your Friday night meeting? You got to get all these people. Friday night. What's your name? Henry. Henry. Yes, sir. Henry. How old are you, Henry? Twenty-one. The Lord says it's a perfect age. For this next season. By the way, I say that no matter how old you are. Hey, I was 70, 69, I went to for three years. The Lord says, make your decisions to serve me first. Don't look for anything else. The Lord says, anything else you look for, I'm not saying don't pursue your career. But if you're looking for, are you not married? So don't look for a wife. Don't look for a hobby. Don't look for anything. Just look for the Lord for a season. The Lord says, if you'll give yourself to me for a season, I'll fulfill every other thing you want. Seek first the kingdom, and I'll add everything else to you. And I just saw you. I saw you wanting the things that other people have. A good job and, and a girlfriend and, and, and companions and all that stuff. The Lord says, forget all them stuff. Come and be with me for a season. Get serious with me for a season. The Lord says, I'll change your life. I'll change the plan that you have for your life. I'll give you my plan. The Lord says, "In my plan, there's a wife. In my plan, there are children." The Lord says, "If you follow your plan, you'll marry the wrong person." The Lord says, "Seek me first, and let me establish you in the spirit realm, and then I'll give you a spiritual wife." And the Lord says, "There's there's ministry ahead for you if you'll grab hold and make the proper decisions in this season and time." Okay, I mean it's okay if you sing, but but you got way more important things to do than sing. Okay, now you don't. You're in charge of the ministry. But the Lord says this, this next season, the prophetic flow that comes out of you is going to be greatly enhanced. And the Lord says, you won't look to Langston or you won't ever look to anybody else. That the prophetic flow will come first through your, see, your music is wonderful. But your prophetic flow needs to overshadow that so that your music is submitted to your prophetic gifting. And the Lord says, it'll change It'll, it'll, it'll change how the, the prophetic progresses in this next season. And the Lord said, it's all in you, go after it. It's all in you, go after it. The Lord said, sing in tongues a lot when you play. When you practice for yourself, sing in tongues. And the Lord said, out of that will come prophetic words. And I see you singing words of prophecy, words, songs of deliverance, by the Spirit over the people, over the house. It'll change, it'll change. The people who come in will be radically changed. New people come in, they'll get delivered. They'll fall on the floor and cry out and demons will leave them. See, that's what God wants you to push into that realm. And the Lord says, don't rely on your skill so much as your prophetic gifting. Go after it in the spirit and find out what happens. The Lord says, discover that and let that be the main thing that comes out of you. See, Remember, remember the prophetic flow is the voice of God. And that's better than your music. Music's wonderful. I really enjoyed tonight. But the Lord says the prophetic flow is greater than your music. So you got to push in that direction for a season. Okay? You heard that. Do you want to do that? What I just said. Do you want to submit your music to your prophetic flow? You got, you got a great, the is going to come right out of there. See? You'll never look to someone else to lead the prophetic flow ever again. You'll create a place that everybody else can enter in. Oh wow. Oh wow. that good? See there's only a few people that can do that in my personal knowledge. Most people cannot include other people. They can go do the woo-woos by themselves, but they can't take the. They can't open up for everybody, and God's going to show you how to do that. See, come, some mornings you'll get in here and it'll just turn loose, and everybody'll prophesy. So you get ready for that. Don't be afraid of it. He's not afraid of it. He's not afraid of anything. Now, and if you go too far, you know what happens. You just pull it back. My wife went to a conference in 1985. Remember, I told you about the Steve guy that played for Copeland. He had his own prayer conference a praise conference and all the great praise guys were going to come and, and and get there and she she said can i i want to go i said okay so i paid and sent her over there and she went to do this to praise and worship conference she went in there and she when she come out she was filled to overflowing so the way the way we worked it she'd come on the platform she'd lead the worship and when she was done with the worship say when she was done she handed me the microphone when she was done, she handed me the microphone. I never took the microphone from her. I let her finish before she handed it to me. So she, usually I get it between a quarter to 11 and 11. 45 minutes worship. Good. So she gets there, and she goes to 11.30. At 10 after 11, I make a decision. Say, Norm made up his mind. I said, I'll never get it. I'll never ask for it if I never get it. Why did I make that decision? I wasn't angry. I said, she has got to find her place. If I t- ask her for it, every Sunday she's going to get up there and she's looking at me to see when I want the mic. You can't lead worship like that. How can you be in the spirit like that? See? So I said, okay. The next week she went to a quarter after 11. Then she gave me the microphone. I, I never, she worked with me every, I never said a word to you, did I, honey? never said a word. The third week she came up and she, had gone up and she apologized to everybody. I th- it was a year later before I ever told her what I was doing. She apologized for everybody for being, being overloaded with all this stuff. But I let her find her place. And when the spirit was through moving, she gave me the microphone. Now, if I was going to get involved in the worship, that was something else again. But when she released it to me for the next step, she decided. She, had the, she was had control of the anointing. She's the worship leader. She controlled it in her hand. I'm not saying that he should do that for you. I'm not saying that. But she had to find her place. you gotta, you got to take a risk. And he's not afraid for you to go off someplace. If it goes too far, he said, sweetie, I think you went too far this morning. Don't go quite so long. The secret to going in the spirit, you're going for three, four minutes. You come back and you gather up the people. you just got to learn how it works. So so you've got to be willing to submit your music to the prophetic flow that's in you. And you'll find out who you are, which is a lot greater than a good musician. See, the spiritual part of you is the best part of you. Not the talent part. The talent part enhances the spirit part. See, and so there's just going to be a transition. For you. You're you going to have to push for it, heavily, But if you will push for it, you'll find it. Okay? All the rest of the musicians, the re- see, the reason you can do this without so in front of everybody, so that everybody knows what God's doing. He can modify it as he sees fit. But you all all, raise your hand if you're a musician. See, y'all understand what she's doing, right? Are you willing for her to go for it? Okay, well then, see. So, see see how easy it is. That's how you do things. That's why we prophesy in front of everybody. Um, You guys back there, the new couple, stand up. I'm going to prophesy over you. I heard the Lord say this tonight. I was watching the two of you up there. Of course, you were over in hiding over in the booth, which which is where the drummer's supposed to be. Okay. But I heard the Lord say this. Don't confuse the wonderments of marriage as the ultimate in your life. It's so wonderful when you get married. That's not the most wonderful thing in your life. The Lord said in the spirit, the two of you can become closer together when you serve God in the spirit. I'm not, see, in the marriage you serve God come to church, you serve in the music, you play the drums, you sing in the platform. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you move into the realm of the spirit together, you'll be closer in the spirit together than you'll ever be as a married couple. See, see. I got friends of mine that we minister together and we have real unity and real love for one another at at a whole different level than even my wife and I have. But my wife and I have it because we minister together. See, we minister together. See? And you can have that. And there's nothing there's nothing greater than ministering side by side, the two of you, in the realm of the spirit. Enhancing one another's giftings. And helping one another reach the pinnacle and being all you can be in the Lord. And the Lord says, push for that. You guys need to push for that. You need to get that book and study it together. Pray in tongues together. And let that be the, the foundation of your spiritual life. And the Lord says, your marriage will be enhanced far beyond what it can, what can be in the natural it's just, it's just something else that's out there for you. My wife and I are greater together. We're bigger than two people when we're together in the spirit. See, we're like five or six or ten. What's the word? Exponential. Help me. Exponential. Exponentially greater. How's that for a big word? I, I, thank you. Right. Okay. Good. Lady in the pink back here. Thank you. What's your name? The Lord says, Jan, you've not been forgotten. You feel like you've been forgotten. The Lord says, I know who you are and I know what you're doing. And the Lord says, I can be as much a part of your life as you want me to be. And if you'll give me more opportunity, I'll come in and I'll facilitate every area of your life. And I'll bring it to a place of perfection. The Lord says, all you got to do is start believing me to fix every situation and to make every situation great. The Lord says, I have the ability What I need is someone with faith to believe my word. And the Lord said, if you'll believe my word, I'll work in your life in every situation. And I saw you. It doesn't, you have faith, but you're not using it for the right things. Because you don't think of that, this is a God problem. And the the Lord says, every problem you have is a God problem. I have a fix for every problem you have. And if you'll release faith for me, I'll fix it. Okay, you get ready to start expressing your faith to the Lord. Lord, you can fix this. I'm going to quit worrying about this. You can fix this. Is this your son? Okay, I'm not worried about my son anymore, Lord. You, you deal with him. How old are you? See, so you're old enough to take care of yourself anymore. You don't have to worry about him anymore. And the Lord says, start believing for him instead of trying to corral him and make him do the right thing. So the Lord says, believe for him. I can make him behave. Believe me for it. Okay, but for every area of your life. And start getting on your faith. Watch what happens. The Lord says, "You don't live a faithless life, but it's not total as the way it can be. If you will get out there, and start believing me for more specific things. How I many you know God can do exceedingly abundantly more than you ask?" or think Ephesians three twenty, yeah. right, Bill? Isn't this fun? What's your name? Dusty. 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 I saw you wearing your hat the whole service. I'm thinking, I didn't take off his hat in church, and then I said, Norm, don't be religious. In other words, where did that thought come from? What does it matter if he wears a hat or not? You know, but that's, that's, see, if you're not careful, there's a snare out there. There's a snare out there just jump up and grab you when you're not looking. I heard the Lord say this. The things that God has in store for you, not very many people are ever going to walk in. And the Lord says, you're a radical, radical person on the inside. And the Lord says, I have need of you. You're like Paul. I knocked him off on his butt on the road to Damascus. And I turned his life from one who was against what I was doing to one who fell in love with what I was doing. And he became radical for me. And the Lord says, this is your radical season to be radical for me in every area of your life. And the Lord says, the things I have for you to do can only be done by someone who sells out completely. They can't be done by... You know, just going to church and stuff. It's not going to happen. The Lord says, you have the capacity in the way I built you and put you together to be great in the kingdom and to do great and mighty things for me. And the Lord says, you need to get on a really strict um, discipleship program with the way you live and also with pastor. And you need to say, look, for the next six months, I'll do exactly what you tell me to do. And the Lord says, it will change you, and it will give you a value of yourself you've never seen before. The Lord says, you have, you're have you a high-quality entity that needs to be developed in high-level spiritual things. And the Lord says, you have that capacity. You have a gifting. You have a five-fold ministry gifting. See? God's called you to be one of the functionings functionaries of the church to teach and train the body of Christ. God's called you to that. But you gotta, you got to come under the, the thing that causes that to be developed for a season. you got to give up your right to decide for yourself. And the Lord says, you've been independent a long time. But the Lord says, if you'll give that up for a season, I'll show you a better way. I'll show you a better way. I'll show you the glory of God come out of your life. How do I know that? I was 62 years old And I lost all my ministry. I walked into a man's office, just like him, younger than me. I laid my ministry on the desk and said, I'll never minister again unless you tell me to. 62 years old. And he he said, I don't want that kind of power in your life, but I'll speak into your life if you'll speak into mine. He already knew who I was. We knew each other, but we didn't know each other well. And he became my spiritual father. Totally submitted to him. If my wife and I have a disagreement, if I have an issue with him, the next thing I do is I call Missouri. Say, I got the situation. How should I handle this in the Lord? And whatever he tells me to do, I do it. Whether I agree or disagree, it's got nothing to do with it. Whatever he tells me, do I do it. And it's changed my life and saved my ministry. Nine months after I did this, I was doing international ministry. Changed my whole life. All my greatness and all my great things that I always talk about came after I submitted. At 62 years old, even though I was cooperative with everybody, I was not submitted to anybody. I was independent, wasn't it, honey? I was an independent, independent. I was cooperative. And if I came in your church, I'm submitted. I'm not talking about that. But I didn't lay my ministry. No one's going to tell me what I'm going to do in my ministry. Now, I wasn't bold with it. But down rock bottom, that's where I was at. And it wasn't until I totally submitted it that my life changed. And the Lord says, If you do it for six months, I'll show you a way to live that you can't imagine. Can't imagine. Okay? I know nothing about you, and I've never seen you before. But I'm just telling you, there's something in there that's really rich and great and good that God wants to bring out of you. Okay? How many of y'all know this guy? Okay? Y'all know him? Am I, am I close to being right? How many agree with me? Do this if you agree with me. Good, that's always nice. They all agree with me. <laughs> who are you guys in the way in the back? By the way, young lady, I love this dance tonight. I used to be able to dance all that dance. I could dance an hour and a half, man. I could do it. Can't do it anymore, but I still love it. Inside, I'm dancing. Love the dance. You too, who are you? Stand up and tell me, come on. Okay, are you friends? Okay, good. Okay, that's okay. I'm going to minister to you, but I minister to you generally. I'm not ministering to you as a couple, but I'm going to say the same word to you. The Lord says, if you get serious with me, I'll show you a way to live that'll change your destiny. I'll show you a way to live. If you, if you get serious for a season, I'll show you a way to live that'll change your destiny. The Lord says, the things I have for you can only be done when I matter most of all. And the Lord says, "The Lord says, when you're very, very young like this, the most thing you care about the most is your girlfriend or your boyfriend." Now, listen, I'm 76 years old. I remember when I was 16. How many, how many, how many men can remember when you were 16? Look at this. We all remember when we were 16. See, my girlfriend was the greatest thing in the world when I was 16. Okay, got me in a lot of trouble, by the way. <laughs> okay, but uh, but I'm just telling you, if you'll seek the Lord, to seek the Lord. For you guys to seek the Lord and be a part of the youth group, get in there and be a part of this youth group that's going to change this whole city. You guys missed the call. Of God. I, who, where's the youth pastor? Wave, wave your hand. He's not here, He's not here now. Okay, ask him with the word he got, and tell me I want I want to be a part. Whatever the prophet said about you, I want to be a part of it. And you guys need to be right in the middle of this next move of the Spirit of God. Okay, I'm just telling you, it'll it'll it'll, it'll God will be able to put you places to give you what you really want. Instead of having disappointment and disappointment and disappointment over the next four or five years in your jobs and in the, the thing, school you're seeking, all that stuff, you'll, you'll, God says, if you'll come and go with me, I'll make everything work for you. Good. Well, get ready to get ready for the change. Go, t- go tell them, Said, I'm signing on. Okay, will you do that? For, will you do that tomorrow? So go tell them, I'm signing on. Whatever Norm told you, we're signing on. We want to be right in the middle of it. Okay, good. I knew you belonged there. Good, okay. All right, good. Well, one more for tonight. We're going to knock it off. What time is it, anybody? Ooh, 10 to what? 10 or 10 to 11? Okay, 10 to, oh, shoot. It's, early. it's Saturday night. <laughs> Tim, I wanted to minister to you. I told you tonight I had a word for you. Um, you were in the service this morning. When I came in, you were sitting there having your coffee and all. And And I don't know anything about you. But I just think, I just want you to know that the Lord, when he looks at your life, he's not disappointed. And he's still got a major plan for your life. See, one of the things that happens to us, we, think we get to a point we think we're through. I've already ministered that to Bill over here at 73 years old. But I'm just telling you that, that the, the great things that you're going to do, how many of you know when you're, not, when you're not at the end of your life, you don't judge your life? See, if I'd have judged my life at 62 I was through, at 62 and a half, I had international ministry. What, what does that mean? See, so, so, you, so, you, so you get involved with God, where, whatever age you are, and the Lord says, there's things you're going to do in the next five years that whatever you were disappointed about in all the years up till now, it erases all that. Because it's how a man finishes, not how he begins, or not even how he goes through the middle. And the Lord says, "I got supernatural ministry for you. You need to get with Bill and go with Bill where Bill goes because Bill's going to have a good time and be a part of that ministry and start healing the sick and raising the dead and stuff. And and, and you're going to there's a greatness that's going to come out of you in teamwork. Maybe not by yourself, but in teamwork you'll be able to do things that you've never dreamed of doing by yourself. But you go and get on a team and that team will go and you'll be a part of that. See, you guys don't know it, but this church." has supported our ministry for 10 years. That means 20,000 people got healed, 20,000 people got filled with the Holy Ghost, one got raised from the dead, all that work that went on. You guys bought into that. You get credit for it, man. You guys say, man, I didn't do a lot of things that I wanted to do, but man, I was part of something big. We changed, listen, we changed the whole country. Isn't that crazy? Who believed you could do that? We did. We, we went down there. We brought the prophetic ministry when, when all they had was an old-fashioned, Old, old Testament-type prophet. We brought New Testament. We, we changed them from a, they all thought I was a missionary. They wanted to, they, I'd go down there and they'd say, bring them back $100,000. We want a bill to build it. I said, I'm broke. I don't do that anyway. I'm a faith preacher. You got to give me an offering. We got to give you an offering? I said, yeah. I'm telling, telling them, you got to give me, the, they give me an offering, $17. You going to take the offering? I said, yep, I am. Now, God told me to give them $40. I was supposed to go back the next night and give them and give $40. I was going to give them $40, but they wouldn't come pick me up. They got mad at me. Because I took the offering. It was my offering. He said, This is your offering. I said, okay. I put it in my pocket. $17. Worked minister three hours, got 35 people filled at the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. $17. But it was my offering. And I made every place I went. I went, remember this Johnny Rodriguez? He wouldn't take up an offering for me. And I said, Lord, I don't care. I love Johnny. I'll to school without an offering. He says, no, you won't. I forbid you to go back to him. I take up an offering for you. I said, Johnny, I want to come to your church, but you don't take up an offering for me. So I, he said, well, come to my church. He said, so you get up, you take the offering for yourself. So that's what I did. But he wouldn't take an offering for me. I don't know why he wouldn't take an offering for me. But that, I'm American. You don't t- Americans are all rich. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. See, But I'm just telling you. Yeah, we we change their mindsets. You guys are part of something that really was changing Ecuador. There's a there's a there's a group down there called Verbo. That's the it's the word Spanish word for word right? Verbo is the Spanish word for word, and so they got 34 church, at 32 churches at that time in Ecuador. I started ministering in a big one in Cuenca, 1,500 people. We took healing in there. We took prophetic ministry in there. The leader was one of the apostles over Ecuador. He went down to Redding, California. Redding, California finally went to Guatemala. They got 200 churches. They all decided from the top down to become supernatural. And all those churches became supernatural. They went to all their elders and said, if you won't be supernatural, you got to step down from your position. You got to be willing to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and cast out devils. If you won't do that, you got to step down. Yeah, that's what they, from the top down, changed 200 churches from Ecuador all the way to Canada. I've been to about six or eight of them. If I had a lot of money, which one day may happen, I'm going to take teams to all those churches and teach and train and equip in those churches that want to be this way, that don't know how to be this way. I'm going to set up teams to go down there, train them here and send them down. I can't go to all of them myself, I'm too old. But we're gonna, That's one of my glory things out there I'm still believing I have time for. How many would like to take a trip to Ecuador? See, pastor wants to go. How many want to go with Pastor to Ecuador? Look at Carol. <laughs> raise right yeah. I'm, I'm just telling you. This, listen, we're gonna, we, we want to set up later this year and, and into next year. We want to set up so I can just call you up. You give me a date. You've got 10, 12 people want to go. And we, we help them and we get them down there. And we have churches for you to go to. And those you can teach. will have your own church to teach on Sunday. And we'll go get a lot of people healed. And we'll prophesy over everything that moves. See, right? She's already going with me on my next trip. Ines is already set up to go. Maybe April or May. We're looking, looking maybe the, like the first week of May, because she she's got a, a she has to get a flight release to go overseas. Okay, so we're hoping for that. All right. So we're good till tomorrow. Tomorrow morning is going to be life changing for everybody who shows up. Say, I want to be changed. Show up tomorrow and be ready. Life changing. I'm going to reveal to you who and what you are, what you've accomplished and what is still to accomplish in your life. Isn't that good? How many want to know where you're at with God? See, knowing where you are is really good because you know what you still got to do. It's, then I'm going to give all the sheets. So you're going to fill out sheets. And you, I'm going to give them to pastor. He's going to know where all your, where all of you are in your walk with God so that he can Put up programs and trains and teachings to bring you into the fullness of what God's called you to be and do. I'm excited. I got so excited about this. I'm doing stuff. This is I've never done this before. First off, I've never taught this way before. And I'm tomorrow morning, I've never done this. The reason I'm doing it tomorrow is I want the whole church here. Everybody that comes tomorrow needs to fill out one of these sheets. I got hundred and fifty. Will that cover us? Okay. Well, if we gotta run back and make some more copies. Yeah, but I got 150 copies for us tomorrow. It's going to be exciting. I'm telling you, you're going you're to love this thing. Uh, by the way, uh, you don't have to bring your lunch, but don't get in a hurry tomorrow. I got to finish it because it's, it's got to be complete. It's not something I can quit in the middle of. It. All right? Pastor, you got it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. That's all good stuff. Uh, I'm going to say to you guys tonight that weren't here this morning, uh, there, was, there was three things that the Lord spoke to me this morning. Number one was, if you got a word, if he spoke a word to you, the first thing is write it down. Now, we'll, we, we've got all this recorded. We'll, uh, we're going to put it up, upload it on the, on the website. and Of course, um, you know, we'll take your specific uh, prophecy, cut it up for you digitally and give it to you so you can have it it's good to look back and read over it number one is write it down number two is pray over it okay because he's he said it this morning and I'll, and I'll say it I said it this morning and I'll say it again that you know he's human he can miss it and he said this morning that you know either you believe it's God or you don't if you don't believe it's God then you throw it away if you believe it's God then guess what now you got to do something with it all right so pray over it Lord, you know, this strange man that always talks about Ecuador spoke this over me. <laughs> Can I be funny? Is this, is this what you're saying to me? Is, you know, it either confirmed something in your heart or it didn't. Once you pray over it and then you're accountable for it, then you need to begin to take steps to begin to implement Because guess what? I'm going to hold you accountable to it.
0: Uh, part of that is if you have a question about it, you come to you come to the pastor or someone else who, who's prophetic and say, "How does how do you think this applies to me?" There's a place for that too. That's so right. you have input into the process. That's good. See, otherwise, people make a plan when they've misinterpreted the prophecy. That's they need to they need to have oversight for their prophetic words.
1: That's good. That's good. So you pray over it. You feel like it, but you, Lord, have mercy. I don't know. He said something about the worldwide ministry. I don't know what to do bring it because we're going to help hold you accountable for that word I'm gonna ask you Inez he spoke that word to you did it bear witness okay then I'm gonna hold you accountable to it same thing are, are y'all with me that's not a bad thing that's a good thing amen all right well stand with me let's uh, let's dismiss if you came in late or whatever um, we've designated the box you know he he makes um, he gets Uh, paid as a result of completely living by faith, by what we give. And so if you want to give cheerfully or willingly to his ministry, then we've designated the box back there to give to him. So if you would, just take an envelope, fill it out, Brother Norman, Prophet Norman, put it in there, check, money, whatever, and put it back there, and we'll make sure he gets it at the end of the weekend. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've done tonight. Lord, just like Brother Bill prayed this morning, Lord, I thank you that this is marinating with us. Father, I know that there were some things that were said that probably people didn't like. I know that there were things said that we didn't understand. But if we were all alike, it would be a very boring place. So, Lord, I thank you that you make us, create us individually to hear the voice of the Lord. And so the things that you've spoke to us tonight resonate with us. Father, let us gleam the things that we need to gleam and take those things and let them just marinate tonight. Father, we pray for the service tomorrow. We pray that from the north, the south, the east, and the west, Father, that you would draw all men to this place that need to be here tomorrow because we're lifting up the name of Jesus. We're lifting up your name above every name, and so we thank you for it. We thank you for the mighty move of the Lord that's going to be at work tonight. And in the morning, Lord, get us ready to receive everything that you have for us this weekend to identify our gifts, ignite our gifts, and to activate us for the work of the ministry. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said? Amen. 10 o'clock in the morning, we'll see you.